voices will be heard saying it's done. The Lord wants to awaken a groan again. What it's rooted in is a fascination. Like imagine you have one opportunity to ask him questions. If you consider the heavens, the glory, the power, the wonder. If you consider it all, it's a speck in comparison to what lives in you. Because the one that spawned it looked at you and said, I want you to be my everlasting habitation. Hey guys, welcome to the Habitation Podcast. My name is Tanner Phillips. I'm here with Mr. William Hinn. Uh, If you're wondering who I am, I am currently the executive pastor of Risen Nation Church um, and get to help out a little bit with Habitation Ministries as well. Um, My journey with you started, I think, in around 2016, 2017. Yeah, Um, Yeah. started first with Jenny, your wife, yes, who's also on staff. She runs School of Habitation, short plug, School of Habitation. Uh, you can enroll today, and Absolutely. it's a $50 a month membership for students. And um, where we literally in this room every Tuesday night, we're going to be getting into the word together. And it's really cool. It's like a worldwide community online. Yeah. But uh, Jenny is your wife, yep. and they've been running with us for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, started. With you guys working together, we were kind of, um, I would just say it was more like a mutual, you know, coworker type thing. You, yeah. you worked with her, but we weren't, we weren't super close. Like I, I knew of you. I didn't really know exactly. you that well. Yeah. I didn't really know you that well. Um, I just thought that's the guy that works out a lot. And <laughs> I feel convicted around him about my physique. Yeah. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> um, but for us, um, you had Risen Nation going. It wasn't technically a church yet. Um, it, you guys did launch as a church. Uh, we came and we helped you guys moved into the building in the colony. Yeah. Um, we got I to help. forget that day. Cause you were, it was really like the first time that I think you and I even had like a long or, or even talked Yeah. and you're climbing on a, what was that called? The like truss. A, you're climbing the up on truss. a truss and hanging some lights for us. And I'm thinking, I feel like this guy's gonna be here forever. <laughs> Yeah, we well essentially we had we were attending another church at the time. Um, we had been there for a while, and and we weren't really sure that we were going to necessarily join Risen Nation. We were just coming. Jenny wanted to help. You know, obviously I was down, so we came and we helped. Um, you fast forward to 2020, and my son Trent had been listening to you, and you were one of the first churches to open up in during COVID, mm-hmm. and Trent wanted to attend a service. So, um, we brought him, we brought, obviously brought the whole family, but when we were leaving that service, Peyton, who at the time was 13 or 14, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's man, crazy. we're, we're leaving. And he says, Hey, can we make that our church? You know, and come on, Peyton. obviously, yeah. As a, uh, as a dad, when you're, your youngest 13 years old is like, I want this to be my church. You're like, yeah, yeah this is going to be our church. We're coming yeah. back next week. Yeah. So, um, and that really just really was the beginning of what's been now what I can see was determined long, mm-hmm. a long time ago. This is part of my destiny. This is part of my journey. This is part of everything the Lord's had for me. Um, but I didn't know that then. Um, so Anyways, that's how I got here. That's who I am. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm glad um, you're with me. But today, our goal with today's podcast is, uh, it's really twofold. I think a lot of times on these podcasts, you you tune in to hear how someone made uh, 
all the right decisions. Here's what we did. Here's how great we are. Um, and if it's a ministry type podcast, here's what the Lord's done. And, and those are fantastic. You can learn a lot from them. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I feel like that's not quite the whole story. And I, and I know in my own journey, I learn the most when I hear about not failure, but the tough road, yeah. the, the unseen, the, the things they don't share. Um, I think we talked about this before, but I, I heard Dave Ramsey, this guy who's massively successful in the secular world. I heard him talk about how 95% of his business ideas have failed. And I remember how freeing so of like, are you like, we drive by this guy's literally hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. worth of property. It, I and, feel like he owns like half of Franklin when you drive it, by that thing. Yeah, exactly. Like this, yeah. pro, like this picture of success, for put sure. it that way. For you sure. see a picture of success and then to hear him say, almost everything I do fails. And I was like, I remember that so like, opening. I wish he would share more about that. I wish, cause, cause yeah. we don't think like that. We think, yeah. oh, he just got up to the plate, hit it out of the park massive success. And I know, I know from what I know about you and how long I've been running with you, people have that image of your success of what they see from afar, or maybe the power in a service or any of those things. They think, man, this guy has done everything right. He's got it all together. The Lord has put his hand on him and it's just been easy street. And I, so yeah. personally for my, for me, my goal today is to let the people in on what it really looks like in your words to stumble towards the Lord or stumble towards the light yeah, and feeling your way through this thing, this life journey absolutely towards him. Yeah. And it's, this is probably the, the, this is a consistent conversation you and I are having Oh yeah, and where the, like where we were like, you know what, we should probably like bring people into this conversation Yeah, is like, the Lord has really taken both of us on this like journey of brokenness. And it always starts with a vision. It always starts with a word from the Lord or the prophet comes into town and prophesies over your life. And then it doesn't go any way you expect. hundred percent. And at the end of the story, I always, I've realized his interest is more in building a man than it is in building a ministry or a church. Cool. And so we just, we felt like we wanted to give you the real story and yeah. be really honest be super vulnerable probably more vulnerable than i've been in a podcast or really publicly in general yeah um but i think a disclaimer too as we kind of get into this and you kind of kind of walk us through it is the goal of this is not to to put negative light on any leader yeah for sure. um, that i've served under i actually feel like the leaders i've served served under have been so from the lord and every single one of them has so impacted my life changed my life really um but i think it's important that you see all sides of it and yeah. that it encourage especially leaders watching that feel like you're in seasons of wanting to give up because oh, yeah. i've lost count yeah. of how many times i've wanted to give up and uh and didn't realize the whole time i was in school yeah you know yeah and i think um you know the reality is, is one of the themes that i'm sure people will hear through this is is just the essentially them saying to themselves, I don't understand or saying to the Lord, I don't understand. Like, you know, lean not on, on your own understanding. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's this proverb that we love to quote, but we really don't take the time to go. What does that mean? That means that you will not understand. 
So get used to it, you know, hundred percent, but it's hard. Yeah. And I'll say before we get into it, everything I thought was going to (laughs) happen didn't happen. Yeah. And from the time I was young, everyone prophesied over me when I was young, like you're called to the nations, you're going to do this. And I think obviously a lot of it was right, but, but in, in reality, I think at the time I received it as well. My last name's Hen, and I think people are just saying that. Yeah. Um, and there was like this pressure to fulfill it. And so I was actually completely against being in full-time ministry. I said, I never want to be a pastor. I never want to preach. And the Lord obviously didn't listen to any of that. And then when I finally accepted it and got into ministry, it's amazing how um, how none of it went according to the plan that I made. And so yeah. I'm very careful to say I don't have a five-year plan. Yeah. We don't lead our church like that. We don't lead the ministry that way because reality is, is nobody knows what tomorrow holds. And so as we get into this, I would encourage every leader, like throw every expectation out the window. Sure. Um, every plan out, like you can make your plans, but ultimately God ordains your steps. Yeah. And, uh, and 90% of the time you're asking yourself, did I hear correctly? And did I make a mistake? Yeah. yeah. And you're going to hear a lot of that today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that to be true in my own story. So, um, I mean, I think that leads us into where we want to go. So obviously you referenced the last name Hen, and, and for those of you who don't know, his father has a, an incredible ministry and is one of my favorite teachers of the word. Um, and that's what you grew up in that house under that. But then you also have this uncle who has this massive ministry that is safe to say it's more well-known than your dad's ministry, um, on, on a different type of level, different calling, different, you know, type of hand of the Lord on it in a different way. Um, so let's start there. Tell us a little bit about the life of, um, William Hinn at Benny Hinn Ministries. Yeah. So I, um, so 2012 and you're going to hear bits and pieces of my testimony Our my goal today is not to share my testimony. Mm. Uh, the goal today is, is just to share really important pieces of the journey to encourage you to really keep going. Um, cause God has a plan, but 2012, I began to work for my uncle Benny and this came out of surprise, never saw it coming. Um, at this point, still very much against preaching very much again and not like I, I loved the Lord. I would lead worship with my mom growing up. I obviously like, I would listen to my dad and think, man, where did he get this stuff from? Yeah, you know, yeah. at 10 years old, I remember listening wow. to minister Ezekiel 44 and I'm crying going, I want to give my life to being at God's table and ministering to the Lord. And that was all because of my dad and the way he ministered and the way my mom led worship. So I loved God. I loved church. I loved the ministry, but my dad protected us from a lot. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff with my uncle Benny and in the ministry, we saw from a distance, I would go to the crusades when I was younger, um, had some pretty wild experiences at crusades when I was younger. First one being eight years old where, I mean, like what I saw was was unbelievable an experience and nobody can tell me it's fake you know because i was a kid and kids don't know how to courtesy fall and yeah fake experiencing god so yeah, cool. i always knew the lord was available in that way fascinated by my uncle the anointing on his life but never thought not thought i never had a desire to work for him yeah in my mind it was like i want to help my dad and i feel like that's the honorable thing to do is serve my dad and it was weird it was like helping my uncle was almost like a like a betrayal of my dad and that's mm-hmm. not because my dad told me that um i just had this really weird way of thinking and so 
I never had a desire to work for him, but really loved him and honored him and, um, and grew up in a, went to high school at a school that was Baptist in theology and would throw mm-hmm. jackets at my brother and I and my sisters and say fire on you and yeah. people not too fond of Ben. Sure. Yeah. So not, it wasn't even that I was offended or had a bad taste in my mouth. I just wanted like, I love the nine to five. I'd love to just get married and not all I knew was ministry. And so I actually wanted something different. Gotcha. So 2012 rolls around and I am now, my family and I had moved. I'm not married at this point. My, I was still with my parents. My family and I moved from Southern California to Dallas, Texas. And, uh, and that was, that was a really, for the sake of time, that was a, that's a huge part of my testimony and experiences that I had before ever <clears throat> getting into ministry. But, uh, to your question, like my life in Benny Hinn Ministries, 2012, I go to a service my Uncle Benny is having in Fort Worth. And um, and my dad and I, I, I literally felt from God like I was supposed to go. And I went to my dad and I said, can we go to this service? And he was like, sure. So we get in the car, we go to the service. He tells his brother, hey, we're coming to service tonight. I'd love to see you. So he, of course, my uncle he st- sticks us right on the front row. And yeah. my dad's like, please don't do that. You yeah. know, uh, sticks us right on the front row and he ministers and he's Benny. He's, you know, he's wild and the service is wild. And at the end of it, he starts laying hands on people and he's getting closer and closer to me. And he prays for my dad and he lays hands on me. And the minute he lays hands on me, I hear the, the Lord speak to me. You will serve him. And I remember going nah that can't be god yeah. like how old are you again at this point uh gosh at this point i think i was to uh, 19 20. okay so maybe, pretty young maybe 19. yeah um and so and i'm really bad at math so somebody can help me but that was in it was in 2012. Yeah. so i basically um tell god lord if you actually just said that to me and i'm supposed to help my uncle and serve his ministry i need you to tell my dad and uh and really fleece the lord because never in a million years for some reason did i think my dad would be like hey you don't have to serve at my local church i want you to go help your uncle yeah we get in the car that night and immediately <coughs> immediately my dad goes hey i really feel like you're supposed to serve your uncle and help him and i'm like wow no way yeah. you know so uh fast forward i end up reaching out to my cousin josh uh who josh and i this is benny's son always been really close and um sorry dealing with a little bit of cough yeah me too but always have been really close to josh and and my uncle benny ends up like calling me right away and he's like hey i would love your help i've been looking for somebody that can run our our book table at the events and i and i had only read good morning holy spirit i hadn't read anything else and and i'm like yeah i could do that and i don't know anything about his books other than good morning holy spirit um so i take this job and part-time pay basically but i'm full-time and and uh and i hit the road with michael benny and it's not at all what i had foreseen with my life and at you know uh going into my 20s i'm experiencing some really wild stuff and seeing a, a crazy amount of the world and and i started out selling books for him um and then it slowly turned into me actually overseeing his events and and i'm a young guy when I first started with him, I didn't know how to format an email. Like I I literally, my, my boss at Benny Hinn Ministries had to show me subject line and body, like how to literally put an email together. And I quickly realized like I have this administrative 
gift on my life that I actually enjoy doing. And so I then built this story before the Lord of, of like, this is what I'm called to do. Yeah. Like I am, I found my sweet spot. I'm going to run someone's ministry. Yeah. I don't want the ministry, Yeah. but I'll, I'll handle someone's ministry. And, uh, and it was like, man, it was baptism by fire. You know, yeah. my uncle is, is, uh, is demanding and I love him. And it's a massive ministry at this point. It's already, this is, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's massive. It's my first, my first time overseeing an event was with 20,000 people in Madrid, Spain, and no one speaks English and I don't know what I'm doing. I sent all the offering envelopes to a completely wrong venue. (laughs) Michael Benny's calling an hour before service that he wants an organ. And I'm like, there's no organ. And he's like, there better be an organ when I get there. And I'm like, I'm like panicking and, and the Lord is training me and he's teaching me. Never would I, never did it cross my mind. I will lead my own ministry one day ever. And the Lord is going, I'm going to teach you how to do every role, you know? And so I'm, I'm getting kind of baptized by fire and what this, like, how do you do this? How do you, how do you operate within ministry? And, and there's so many stories, there's so many things that the Lord did, but, and I'll just share a couple. There was, this is like, not long into me working for him um because i went from overseeing his book table to being his events events manager and he always wanted me to catch my my job was to uh oversee the event and then keep people from busting their heads open when the spirit of god is falling and and um and obviously the experiences with that were insane uh but i was I was fine with it, but my uncle would always be like, you better be ready because I'm going to call on you one day and you're going to have to be ready to minister because it's on your life. And I'd be like, if you ever do that and tell me to come up and preach, I will run out of the room so fast. And I would tell him none of your guys would catch me, you know? So, so internally, like as far as, you know, now obviously know, like the Lord has anointed you to do certain things. You had no grid for that. You had no, No, I didn't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I, I, I was like, I literally thought my anointing was to administratively lead. Gotcha. Okay. And, and so, but I mean, my perspective was I got an F in public speaking in high school. Yeah. I don't talk in front of people. <laughs> my personality is very like, I'm going to go into a room by myself and that's where I'm happy is yeah. alone. Like till today, Emily and I, we have people over at our house and there's a bunch of people here I, I need like the, I'll for three minutes go into a private room when nobody's in there and close the door so I can breathe. <laughs> I just naturally am not extroverted and, and you know, like comfortable on a stage. Yeah. So even standing up there to catch people, I was petrified, wow. you know? So one of the services, and, and it was stuff like this that in hindsight, I'm going, man, it's crazy how the Lord was building and raising me but in the moment really hard um and we were in we were in rowan france this little this little city in france and um there's probably five thousand people in this auditorium and we're he's in the middle of worship and everything my uncle everything's extravagant you know and, and worship is worship's incredible i mean till today i've been in some pretty amazing worship environments from a production perspective I've never been in rooms like I was in with Benny where the production was not 
insane and we're in the middle of a random country but this dude starts worshiping wow. the air changes you know yeah and he had this group of of singers that would come with him shout out jody mcbriar i love you um that were like unbelievable and they would wow. just it was like just them and the piano and five thousand people in, in unison and wow. you feel like your skin is gonna blow off so i'm in these environments and not realizing like the lord is preparing me for something yeah and so we're in Rowan. It's at the height of worship. I'm fresh. I'm the new kid on the block. Although I'm his family, I'm I'm like I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing, you yeah. know. And I'm yeah. trying to manage sixty employees on the road, and uh, and all these adults are wanting me to lead them. And I'm like, I'm not even an adult, you know. <laughs> um, and so we're in this service, and in the middle of worship, he stops worship and looks at me, and he points at me, and he says. There's somebody in the crowd that has a heart condition and it's causing pain on the left side of their neck. Go find them. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Come again. And he's like, yeah, go into the crowd and find them. And I literally was so, I was like, are you, like right now? And, he, and he's getting, and he's getting agitated. He's like, go find them. You know, so I, I walk off stage. In my mind, there was a spotlight on me following me everywhere. Oh, yeah, I don't think sure. that was actually happening, yeah. but and this felt like it went on for an hour, but it was probably only like five minutes of me actually walking around. And he's telling me to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now there's 5,000 people there and I got to find the one person yeah. specifically with the pain in the neck and the heart condition. So I'm walking up to people and the place is quiet. He's staring at me <laughs> and he's going, listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to people and I'm like, hey, do you got a heart condition, pain in your neck? And they're like, no. And I'm begging people. Can you like, fake it if you do? Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I am, I'm begging people to have a heart condition, uh, you know, as we, as the minutes and the time keeps going on and, and I'm sweating. I am so scared. I'm so bothered at my uncle. Yeah, I'm angry. like this, you want to talk about abusive leadership. <laughs> this is abusive. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, that was, that, that was what I didn't want to do. And he's making me do these things. Yeah. And so he gets to this point where he gets frustrated and he's like, you're not listening. Holy spirit. He's correcting me in front of everybody. And he tells me to stop walking. And so I'm in the middle aisle. I stop walking and he goes, okay, walk, keep going, keep going. Stop. I stop. He goes, go into that row. And I go into the row and I'm going between people. And he's like, keep going. It's not them. It's not them. It's not them. It's the person in front of you. Stop. And the person collapses, starts bawling. It was the person with a heart condition, pain in the left side of their neck. They get completely healed. And he tells me to bring them up. And I'm going, I can't even process yeah, I was just gonna say, what's happening. Yeah. And I am, and now I'm like, I have no idea who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know how to hear God. Yeah. And, uh, but I didn't realize, like, my uncle saw something in me I did not see. Wow. And so he would he would constantly kind of poke and do things like that, that in the moment I honestly didn't like. And so would you say up to that point, <coughs> like if I would have asked you at that point, you know, can you hear the Holy spirit? Do you think you would have said yes? No. Okay. All right. I'd have been like, especially after that. Well, I, would, that's what I know after yeah. it, obviously, you know, from the, from the story, you can tell, obviously you were opened up to a whole new level of hearing the Lord. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know where your paradigm was prior to that. Cause I mean, obviously you're, you're frustrated in the moment because you feel like you got put on the spot and it was either embarrassing or the fact that you're, angry. I mean, it was embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but also you've been, 
you literally just saw a man who can hear the Lord and clearly was right on. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So what yeah. a paradigm. What? A, how do you even... How do you even connect those two? Honestly, I'm just going to stay the admin. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. Here's my, the plan. This is that's not where my gift. thinking was at. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know how to, how to process it. And again, it never entered my, my mind that God was preparing me for something. Yeah. So fast forward, I'd been working for him for a while, all out of this encounter I have where he was praying for me and, and, and I did hear the Lord say work for him. And so I at least knew I had that. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, and so there were so many encounters and, and stories and, and I'll share two more to really kind of answer your question on this section of my journey. But, um, at this point it's probably 2013 we're in, I'd been working for him about a year at this point and I'd really experienced a lot of incredible things and a lot of hard things. Uh, but we were in Toronto, we were actually in the same, we were at the same church where the Toronto outpouring took place. Wow. And there really is like, you get on that property and you, there's something there, yeah. you know, like you can feel okay. this residue of what God did there. And okay. so, um, we get there and, and after a year of working for him, it's interesting. Like when I first started, I, I didn't really like think to myself is like these people falling and being healed. Is it real? Is it not real? Mm. None of that ever really crossed my, it was after being there for a bit. Really? And and I think where some of that came from was I saw a lot of like the behind the scenes mm -hmm. and some of it made me question what I was seeing on this, you know, like in service. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I mean, when you say question, what do you mean from the side of the ministry or the side of the people that were attending the ministry? Wow. Like I, some of the stuff that I saw behind the scenes and this is not and i'll share a couple of those stories in a minute that really has nothing to do with benny wow um but just the peep some of the people that i encountered i i don't know i just got into this thing of of like what's real yeah and what's not yeah. and, and and i was even in it and that's where like you know my cousin costi many people watching have heard of you know uh the american gospel yeah this in no way is like a part two of American gospel. I am not a sensationist. I believe in the move of the Holy Spirit. Um, I am, I'm the, the weird guy that's like, let's pray in the spirit together. And, yeah. um, and I adore my uncle and I want to make sure that that's really clear. And you're going to hear the most insane encounter I've ever had in my life happened on this trip in Toronto where all those questions got answered. Yeah. But, um, I just wanted to make it really clear. Like my, so my cousin Costi, you know, he, he was a part of these crusades growing up too. We both seen miracles together. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think some of the things he saw, not even from Benny, just the things he saw, it's like man's weaknesses allowed us to build a theology and a doctrine, not mm. based on God's God and who he is, but on the weakness of man. Yeah. It's good. And so, you know, there's all this stuff out there today. That's like, well, I don't believe healing is for today and prophecies for today even though the Bible says, lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover and every word in scripture is eternal. Like, sure. I don't know where we stopped thinking it wasn't. Right. But this in no way is, is, is uh, exalting man's weakness, but rather I want you guys to see a story that goes, this has nothing to do with people. This has to do with what God is doing in you. In you, yeah, and, in you. And so my, I love my cousin Kossi and he comes against our whole family and, and I, we pray for him and I, I pray that God bless him. But, um, but I think in a way, like 
you you just see stuff and naturally you begin to question the lord yeah you question the lord instead of the man it's it's really profound we were just talking about this today it's like the lord takes the he takes it you know it's like it's a hundred percent our fault but it's like everybody's looking for who we to blame and and it's amazing how much the lord takes for the blame and and does has no need to defend himself yeah he's just like i'm always here for you yeah you know absolutely and so i kind of had a moment like that yeah in this in this service in toronto and and i uh i go to this this service and it's no different than any other you know we're we're on this like this tour of cities and and i'm just busy i mean i'm at this point like i wouldn't have been able to be married and do what i did yeah. you know i'm traveling I mean, most of the time, all the entire month, I'd be gone. And uh, and I'm the first one at the venue. I'm the last one to leave. I'm learning everything. And God has me in school, you yeah, know? it's good. Uh, but this specific service, I'm not thinking anything of it. But for whatever reason, all these thoughts start stirring up in me the first night in Toronto. And I'm seeing people show up. And and some of these people are just strange, you know, to be honest. And... <laughs> and uh, and I'm watching people get healed. I'm watching people fly everywhere. And for some reason in that service, as I'm watching people get slain in the spirit and stuff, I'm going, is this like, what's real? Yeah. And and it was just like, the enemy just starts putting these thoughts in my mind, yeah. you know? Um, and it was just always very interesting. It didn't happen in the beginning, but it happens as, as time goes on. Almost you know? the more you got familiar. 100%. And, um, and so I'm questioning stuff, like the whole service. But I'm doing my job, catching yeah. people. I got my hands lifted, you know. Yeah. And but that internal dialogue is oh, still ha- going. The on. whole service, I'm having this internal conversation yeah. with the Lord of, of like, do I believe some yeah. of this stuff? Yeah. That's I'm good. walking my uncle Benny back to his car after the service, and I'm still having this internal dialogue. In the middle of my thought, I remember thinking, "What is real and what is not." I remember that thought going through my mind. And in the middle of the thought, my uncle Benny turns and he points at me with his long finger. And he says, why are you doubting the Holy Spirit right now? And it was like, bro, it, it was like someone stabbed me. Wow. It was like, God, you know, I know people are like, oh my God, he's saying Benny's God. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, the it. Lord, like through my uncle yeah. spoke to me. Yeah. And, um, and I stood there stunned and Josh, my, I'll never forget. Cause my cousin Josh was like, you know, yeah. like what's happening you right feel now. the weight on the moment. And I just felt so convicted. And that night I went to my hotel and I remember thinking, Lord, I don't understand. And this is really where God began to break me mm. in that season. Um, and, and there is a reality. I mean, you got to understand like it, it was a, I, I was flying on private jets. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing incredible parts of the world. Um, and so my first like year there, I'm going, this is the greatest thing experience I've ever had in my life. Oh yeah. The hotels are incredible. I'm not paying for any of it. I'm getting <laughs> paid to do it. Like just, just be real. honest and talk. And, and you know, people are so mad about the, the jet and all that stuff, but there's a reality of, I don't think my uncle could have done what he did, especially when he was pastoring in Orlando without having the ability to fly at any time of the day, oh, sure. yeah. you know, and everybody gets bent out of shape about pastors having nice things but it's you know it's like we can become millionaires in the world but the minute that sure. you are successful because of the lord it's like a big no-no so yeah. I'm, I'm also i'm not i'm not you know saying that it was 
it was his lifestyle or anything. This is not what this podcast is about, right. but I'm just giving you the reality of, of like, here's a young guy yeah. who's going like, I'm, I'm in a nice plane and, it, and the plane is waiting on us. Yeah. And we're going from, uh, Sweden to, to Switzerland to, Sheesh. to all these places. And, and it's all these events and there's hungry people everywhere and it's not just nice places. I mean, it is like we were we're going to to Durban, South Africa, and parts of 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 the world that are not wealthy. And yeah. but I mean, you're getting a a, a level of life experience that oh, yeah. most people don't get. And sure. I'm living the high life. Yeah. At, at least I'm thinking I am. Yeah, you know. And uh, and so it took about a year for me to get over like the the glamour of it all to be honest yeah and oh, like yeah, the, i can't imagine and like the oh this is my dream job you know yeah and after about a year i start getting hit with reality i think because of all of that starts getting to me i'm i i start getting hit with the reality of, of like what do i even think about all this mm. you know yeah and i do have to say about my uncle i've never met a, a man no matter where we were in the world if we if i was at his house in california or if I was with him on the road, I've never seen a man so committed to being alone with God. Like, wow. I mean, to the point of he wouldn't leave his room to until a certain time and everybody knew he was with the Lord. Wow. And, uh, and so wow. I, I personally believe like the favor of God that's on his life is because he is committed to like his union with the Lord. And so all that to be said, you get that night I'm in my hotel room. I just got rebuked by him. I, I'm thinking I'm living the high life, but but the Lord is like, all your your eyes have been on the wrong thing. Yeah, like I'm I want to do something really in your heart, and so it was that night the Lord led me to Ephesians three seventeen through nineteen, it says, um, that we may comprehend with all the saints mm -hmm. what is the width, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. And that word knowledge means science yes. in Greek. And I looked it up and I just had this thought, like, I, I think I know God only in theory. Like I know of him, but I don't mm -hmm. experientially know him. That's good. And the concept of Ephesians three seventeen through 19 is unless you have an encounter with God beyond what science can explain, yeah, there you go. you'll just know him in theory. And I, sure. and I only, I realized like I, I had this revelation of how much I don't know. Yeah. And I was almost blinded by all the things I was doing for God and the mm. blessing and the favor that the Lord was like, the only reason I brought you to this ministry was to experience me. Yeah, That's on, the man. only reason. And so it was all part of God's test yeah. and I didn't realize it. And this was the beginning in that season of the breaking. And so I get on my knees, I cry, I say, Lord, I repent. Like I'm catching people, I'm going through the motions, I'm lifting my hands. I'm doing all the right things. I can, I can, I know I'd been around it enough in my life to fabricate the anointing. I mean, you just sing the right song at the right time, work on the emotions of the people. I'll get this place moving. Mm. Like it, it can become that because the, you have a gift, the gift works. Like I, I just knew it. I'd been around it. And so I was going through the motions and the Lord just like came in and, and hit me. That's awesome. And so I repented for going through the, the motions without really having this overwhelming desire to know him. 
And in my lack of like really wanting to experientially know him, I'm judging and criticizing everybody's encounter. Yeah. Wondering if it's real. Wow. And while I'm pointing, and this is one of the biggest issues I think I see today in our culture is like people making videos to ruin ministries and come against each other and they're all pointing at each other, but like no one's looking at themselves. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And so I, um, so I repented to the Lord. I said, I don't need to understand the encounter, but if it's available, I want it. Yeah. Next service I show Absolutely. up and Saturday night, my uncle is ministering. I'm standing in the back and something falls in the back. Like I feel this weight fall on my shoulders and I had no grid. I didn't understand anything that's going on. I didn't know what was happening to me, but I hit the floor. Benny's mm -hmm. on, nobody's praying for me. All I did was say, God, I'm open. Yeah, come on. And, uh, and I get pushed to the floor and all I remember is coming to it. My uncle's yelling, where's my nephew and my son? I need catchers because Josh had a same encounter. We're right standing right next to each other. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I don't know what was happening and I'm pushing myself off the floor. I'm crying. I got snot. I don't even remember be starting to cry. I don't remember hitting the floor. Wow. It was almost like the Lord was just like going, like he was like with a loving hand touching me and going, I'm going to get you out of your head. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna, and you're gonna have no understanding of what I'm doing to you, and that's the point. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's the fear of the Lord. You know, like it's like, in, I love Corey Russell, who's a big part of our lives. Yeah. Says, the fear of the Lord is is when you begin to realize you're a paddle boat and he's a Pacific yeah, Ocean. So sick. It's like, the beginning of wisdom is coming into the realization that you know nothing. Yeah. And so I'm having this moment of I know nothing. Yeah. And I have been enamored by ministry and God's just ripping things out of me right now. Yeah. And so I come wobbling up this to the stage. I'm falling with everybody. I'm the guy that I was offended at the night before. I'm now the guy. Yeah. And, and that's so the Lord's way. Oh yeah. Just like <laughs> you think you're cool, huh? Yeah. You know, I'm going to ruin your dignity. Yeah. Cause I love what Todd says. Not part of the fruit of the spirit anyway. Yeah. You know? And so my uncle notices like something's up now. Keep in mind up to this point, I said, I'll never preach. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to minister. I'm an, I'm comfortable doing the and admin stuff. Has he mentioned that to you? Like, has he ever said that prior to this moment that you're getting ready to explain? Has has your uncle <laughs> ever tried to tell you that, or your dad, or anyone else? Oh yeah, they were they <laughs> like my. I would tell my dad that, and he'd laugh at me, and I would be like, so rude, you know, like. <laughs> and my uncle too he'd be like you know you're called to preach brother it's exactly what he'd say to me and and i would say no i'm not and he'd say and i remember this is actually a cool story before i finish i was actually sitting in his plane one time and we're talking and it was when he said to me i'm gonna call on you and you better be ready i said i you better not and i and his response to me i don't i really don't share this part but this is what he responded he said don't lose that heart that's what he said to me. Really? And I was like, I fear. Wow. You know, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. like I got that down petrified. <laughs> I'll kill it. You know? And he said, no, not the fear part. He said the timid part that doesn't think you have the ability to Ooh. do it. And he said, yeah, because on, you don't have the ability Gosh. to do it. And my uncle basically was like, how you'll really know it's God wow. is, is when somebody, God takes a man who doesn't think that they can do it and doesn't have the ability to do it. And he uses that man. Yeah. And so he said, don't ever lose that timidness in your heart Gosh. that relies fully on the Lord. And Come I, on. that I'll never forget that. That impacted yeah. oh, me yeah. pretty That's greatly. Powerful. So my uncle, I think knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. That's the thing, you know, is, is like these leaders that in moments I was like bothered with 
the Lord is using them for my spiritual formation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Come on. So he goes to lay hands on this lady and he realizes there's something up with my nephew and he looks around them and he goes, it's about time that you start preaching the gospel. It's exactly the words he said to me. And it was like, someone came across the stage, hit me in the chest with a sledgehammer and I'm rolling down the stairs. Wow. And, and he goes, pick them up. And I'm now, <laughs> I'm now like, the guy, the guy I didn't want to be <laughs> and I'm drag I'm and I my legs didn't work and I'm trying to get up the stairs and they're dragging me up the stairs and he takes his jacket off and I'm like um and and honestly that was the stuff that happened like in high school where I'm like I don't want to be the guy yeah. that has the jacket being thrown at him yeah. you know yeah. my brother and I would get in fights over that stuff yeah and he takes his jacket off and he hits me with it and one thing I really honor and value about him is his like He's always been the same. Yeah, he doesn't man. care. You got to give it to him. He doesn't care what it looks no like, fear what it of sounds like. That guy. And he told, I mean, I remember one time hearing him say, the Lord told him in his early years, I need you to be a fire hose mm. of my anointing and don't turn it off for anybody. And wow. he's like, I don't care what you think. I'm being obedient. And he takes his jacket off. He hits me with it. I go down the stairs. I didn't recover for like an hour. And I remember specifically opening my eyes and all I saw was like fog in the room. It was the weirdest thing. Wow. And I go back to my room and the Lord gives me no understanding of what just happens to me. Yeah. But I will say he got closer. It's the only way I can, yeah. it's the only, like my secret place, something happened where it was like this possibility opened up to me. Like, yeah, it's as if I'm, I'm hearing you talk about how you were really fascinated with the provision of the Lord, the move of the Lord, the, <laughs> all the things the Lord was doing, but you missed the him part. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. I, I mean, I, I was amazed at how God used my uncle, the favor of God on his ministry, all of it. I mean, and then the Lord was like, I'm going to turn the fascination in your eyes toward my toward face. Me. Yeah. Come on. And I started fine. Cause I wanted to know like, where do people fall in the Bible? You know? Yeah, and then right, I started, yeah. and then I started realizing like how many times anybody gets near him they fall like a dead man mm -hmm. like jesus in the account of john they're coming to arrest him they ask him a militia asks him are you jesus of nazareth yeah says i am he and a whole militia falls back the bible gives no context yeah and then they just get up and arrest him like yeah. what are we talking about here and yeah and i really feel like in that season the lord was like he was breaking me down to you think you'll stand tall when the glory of the lord walks into the room wow. and i didn't realize how many things he needed to kill in me yeah, I think mm -hmm. honestly, just personally speaking, there's this point that you come to the realization that he's bringing the things that are inside of you that you don't know are there. Yeah. You have all these things in you and you have no idea. And it was like he, the Lord used that season to bring a lot of unbelief up. I didn't know it was yeah, there. Wow. Now I grew up saying I love Jesus and I did and I do. Um, at first tangible encounter at 10 years old, like vividly remember everything about that. But but yeah, just even, to be clear, your your upbringing was probably, you know, if you if if someone out there is listening and you have this idea of a Christian upbringing, that's probably on a level 2 of what it is to live in your dad's house. Oh my god. You know gosh. what I mean? Like yeah. the, I don't think that the average listener has any grid for someone growing up in William Henn Sr.'s house. You know no, what I mean? And that's not no. putting any other parent on blast. That's just the intensity of who your father is. For sure. You know and, what I mean? And and we were it, I mean, growing up, I knew, like, I would be, I knew when it was like my dad, and I knew when it was the man of God. Right, right. And, and from an early age, it's weird, like, I knew how to decipher that. Yeah, oh yeah. And so, I was always sensitive to the presence of the Lord, 
but didn't realize how many questions were deep in there. Right. That and that's just sense. really what I really wanted to bring out by saying that was just to give the listener some context <laughs> of like, understand this is not just Joe Blow going to work for Benny Hinn Ministries and then being like, this is weird. What do I believe? What do I, this is yeah. someone who's who grew up in all the weird saturated stuff. Yeah. with like, in my opinion, like a man who cares about one thing, what's the Bible say? And then I'm going to believe that. I mean, that's your dad in a nutshell. And so this is someone who has a lot of experience with what's in the Bible, what the Bible says, who you are, identity, all those things, not in a, not in the standard Christian religious way of every Sunday morning, we put on our best and go, but like a life dedicated to it. So for you to have those issues and to be dealing with it, I just think that's important that the people understand. And I had to go through it. You know, it's funny, like my dad has a hilarious story about Benny, like my dad said, Benny came home one day and looked and walked like Catherine Coleman. We didn't know what happened to our brother. And my dad, I remember one time said, we didn't know like if our brother had turned into like an angel or something, (laughs) but it wasn't our brother anymore. And he said, I would walk walk into the room after he's praying and I feel something in there. Like the witness that my dad experienced with my uncle wasn't my uncle like even like putting the gospel down his throat. It was this atmosphere around him. Yeah. It was like Benny became best friends with the Holy spirit and everybody felt it. Wow. And, and so my, my dad said in the beginning, you, you think like I'm asking questions. Imagine them. Oh, Greek yeah. Orthodox. Gre- yeah. No context. And then their brother is praying for someone. They're flying back six feet and getting yeah. healed. So my dad said, so we were like serving in his meetings behind their parents back. And I don't have time to share the story, but ultimately my grandfather, not super pumped about obviously yeah. Yeah, says sure. like, you need to stop or I'm getting rid of you. And this leads to the brothers serving in the meeting, my uncle Benny's meeting secretly, grandfather seeing a newspaper ad goes to the meeting. Yeah, such a sick story. Walks out that night, gives his life to Jesus, right? Yeah. My dad said in those days, we were like, what the, what's happening? Yeah. Like, yeah. we don't understand any of this. Yeah, no we're catching people confused. Right. But they're like, but like, we can't deny what's on him yeah. and what's happening in our home. Right. So. Fast forward, you have all the grid and still don't get it. Hundred percent. That's that's and what God I just want to hear. God has to take everybody through it. So yes, I'll share that really quickly. My dad basically said one time he like was like he goes into the choir and you know my uncle would look at the choir and be like you want the anointing and, <laughs> and they're like yeah and he like blows in the microphone or something and I've seen I mean like the choir's out gone. Yeah. People are like that's weird. I'm telling you guys I don't understand it fully either. Yeah. But I will say eight years old I'm standing in a section. And he looks at the section and my brother and my cousin are standing next to me talking about a girl. I remember it vivid. <laughs> my uncle Benny asked God to touch the section and I actually didn't fall, but I looked over my brother and my cousin are on top of each other crying in, wow. in, in a second. And I'm, and I'm like fascinated, right? Yeah. So my dad said he goes into the choir and he's like, I'm not gonna fall, I'm gonna prove all these people wrong. And and he is so bad. He said he went to like the back and like where like the riser is. You know, Benny's like, you want it? My dad's like, yeah, you know, like just being a punk. And, and uh, my uncle like blows into the mic and my dad said he, like he saw it coming at him like a wave. And he said, and God lift, he said, I felt something lift my feet up. And I, and I, my back goes onto the 
the riser pull and he said and i'm either gonna drop six feet down and get hurt so i'm holding on like i'm balancing myself wow. and he said and i fall down i repent and i never questioned it again and i've lost count of how many That's times crazy. i had a worship leader when we were at lifestyle come up to me saying he went to one of my uncle's services just to like make fun of people and like see what a like what a zoo it was yeah and he said he stood in the very back row and my uncle prayed for a section and he said and i happened to be like literally against the wall in the back of the sanctuary he said i saw people falling toward me and he said he said i'm like wanting to film it and going <laughs> yeah he said i felt fire go from my feet into my legs into my body and it threw me against the wall he said i fell on my knees and repented Gosh. until That's today crazy. everywhere most of the time when i travel i'll have a, at least one person in a lot of places come up to me and repent about just like what they've thought about benny so yeah, all wild. that all that to be said i i have this encounter it starts absolutely transforming my life but breaking begins yeah and my motivation for being there begins to change mm. and and so i i start kind of having some some harder experiences toward the end of my exit of that season and I've noticed anytime God's taking you through a transition, you have to guard your heart the most oh, because yeah. you'll start identifying what you don't connect with, yep. what um, like what parts you don't want to have a part of your life, and you'll find who to blame when really God's going, no, nah, I'm just I'm just transitioning you out into yeah. a new season. So that's good. Um, so a lot of amazing experiences, but just for the sake of like talking about some of the breaking areas of all of this. We were in Berlin, Germany, and I know my like time is coming closely to an end. I'm, I'm around the two-year mark at this point. Had that experience in Toronto. I love my uncle, but the job is really difficult. Yeah. And the, the, the one, that young kid with wonder in his eyes in the beginning of, of like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced, now becomes, I just wanna go home. Wow. And, um, and I started seeing stuff that that start to really like I think affect me and hurt me and not my uncle. So it was, we were doing this really long tour of multiple countries and one specific night we were in Berlin, Germany and I'm driving in this car with this group of leaders and I won't say any names. My uncle wasn't in the car and um, I think my uncle would have been just as upset as I got. And I heard this leader say who took the offering that night um we stuck our hand in one pocket tonight and we're going to stick our other hand in their other pocket tomorrow and they started laughing wow it it bothered me so much that i told them to stop the car and i got out and i was so like i was so upset and again my uncle would be equally as upset but he wasn't even in the car yeah and i'm driving these leaders back and the hard thing was is my job was to take care of all these people like when the guests came and they, you know, all these guys that I didn't agree with necessarily, like my job was to literally honor them wow. and to take care of them. So I'm having to like, just humble myself yeah. and serve. And all the while in disagreement. Oh yeah, dude. And so I get so out of this like car, but so the Lord, so the Lord. You know? <laughs> and so I get out of this car and this is kind of toward the end of the season and things are no longer amazing. I'm like just seeing everything that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I call my dad and this is why we really need 
like just spiritual fathers yeah, in come her on, life, man. man. Hit on that. And so I call my dad, and I went. I don't know how I'd walked that, through that season without my dad. And he's my natural father, but he's my spiritual father, you know. Yeah. And I said, I want to come home. And I remember when I started with Benny, you know, because he's walked his own journey in ministry. I remember my dad one time saying, when you're ready to come home, call me. I, when I very first started. Wow. And so it was that time. I was really hurt and bothered by what I heard. So I called my dad. I said, it's that time. I'm ready to come home. Um, and he asked me why. I told him everything. And he goes, so did God tell you to leave? And I was like, oh, <laughs> no. No. And, uh, and he said, well, and he gave me this analogy of a racehorse. And then he goes, well, you can't come home then. You're in school. Yeah, come on. And I felt rejected. Like I was like, yeah, you better accept me to come back yeah, home. For sure. But I, I had enough, I think, honor for my dad that I was going to listen to him. Yeah. Even if I was kicking and screaming. And so he said, you're in school. Go back to school. He That's said, good. you're learning. Pay attention. That's good. And so I... I was really like, I was just, I didn't want to hear that answer, yeah. you know? And in the moment it hurt. It was, it was, I wanted to leave. I wanted to quit. And, and I could have justified like my pain oh, yeah, and yeah. like, for sure. I could have gone on social and destroyed people, you know, and, uh, and played the victim. But my dad basically was like, you're not a victim. Yeah. Like God is building. Yeah. You. This is by design, son hundred percent. Yeah. So the, we went from Berlin, Germany to Israel and on that trip and, and we get to Israel and I remember my uncle was taking an offering in Israel and it was super pure. Um, it wasn't anything like this guy that he had come in. And what's cool is, is like, since then my uncle actually years after I left, like went in front of the world and repented for how he operated, like yeah. in a sense with taking offerings sure. and these guys that he would have come in and yeah, it's powerful too a hundred percent and he would say you know these guys would come and be like if you the, the lord spoke to 10 people to give ten thousand dollars we're gonna wait till you come up. just weird stuff and my uncle like in a really powerful humble way basically was like all that was wrong yeah and so That's so good so there's been i'm really proud of him for doing too, that yeah. you know but this is before all of that so he still had some of these guys coming at that time so my uncle's taking an offering and, and the way my uncle was taking the offering wasn't bothering me. It was, but I still had this stuff of what mm -hmm. I heard in the car and I really wanted to talk to him about it. Yeah. Like I wanted to like confront it yeah. and, and get it off my chest. And so, uh, we're in Israel and, and he takes this offering and I hear the Lord say, um, if you're offended by it, I want you to put a seed, put a seed in, and plant into it. And I, and it was kind of like that Bill Johnson thing of, of like our money is like little soldiers, yeah, come on, you know, man. going in and it can help, it can help transform like that, which is going into. So the Lord yeah. was almost like, I dare you kind of thing. And I heard the Lord tell me, I want you to give $2,000 to your uncle. Now I wasn't rolling in cash. My salary was small, but I also was living at home with my parents. Right, so yeah. I had money in my account. Yeah. And so I wrote a $2,000 check to Benny and I gave it to him and and I was really bothered because I'm like, this dude does not need this. Yeah. This ministry doesn't need this. Yeah. I need this. You know? <laughs> and um but I felt this condition of the Holy so Spirit like, <laughs> like just testing me of like, will you honor what I'm doing yeah. in this ministry and get your eyes off of what I'm not doing? Mm -hmm. 
And so I gave this money and I remember my uncle being really shocked and like, you know, nobody gives me money and my staff and stuff. Yeah. And so some time, a lot of time went by after that. And, and, uh, and it was kind of just like one thing after another of just like breaking and seeing a side of ministry that I could have started a podcast and, and become, you know, sure. God bless my cousin. Sure. And I, but I realized like, no, God was doing a deeper work in my heart yeah. and wanted to see if I'd still honor him. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you're, you've referenced school many times in that story, but it, you know, it's that school of brokenness. Yeah. Like any man he's going to use, he's going to break you. And that's not a, it's not a breaking in an evil mean sense. It's he's breaking you of you so that yeah. he can come through hundred percent. And it was just the beginning like of oh, my yeah. life. Like, yeah. This is not going to, this stop. was easy in comparison to what God knew was coming. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, I had no idea what was coming. Yeah. And, and you walked a lot of what was coming. Oh yeah, for me. sure. Yeah. And this is like child's play compared yeah. to some of the stuff we had to overcome later. So all that to be said, a lot of time goes by and I stay, listen to my dad. One day I come home from an event with my uncle and I have these inv three invitations in my inbox to go and preach. And it was all different countries. Um, and one of them was from Rome. This this pre this pastor in Rome uh, sent me an email, and I knew of him because we had, you know, we had done events uh, in his area before, and so he had my contact because I used to reach out to all the pastors, inviting them to the events and all that kind of stuff. So I was so confused when I got the email. Uh, again, I'm thinking I don't want to preach. What I didn't realize is that night in Toronto, this little seed started to build in my heart, and uh, and it was like I couldn't run from it anymore. Yeah. But still, I responded to these emails confused. I'm thinking, I'm the event guy. I've never preached in my life. I don't yeah. know why they would ever invite me to preach. So I said no to all of them, sent, sent it back. Didn't think about it again. I go home and have dinner that night. My dad looks at me and he says, something happened today and uh, you're being disobedient while we're having dinner. And I'm like, dang. <laughs> so I tell him what happened. He said, you know, you gotta do it. You gotta go talk to your uncle. And um, wow. And I was like, seriously, you know? Yeah. And so I went back, I apologized to the pastor for saying no. I said, I feel a conviction of the Holy Spirit to come. And I went to my uncle and I, I remember telling him, like, I got these, these invitations. I didn't ask for them. I didn't go to them. I really don't want to take them, but my dad told me I have to. Can I do them under your ministry so I don't lose my job? Like, I... I really loved what I was doing, yeah. you know? Makes sense. It was hard, but I was like, I don't, I want to keep my job, but I want to be obedient. Like, is there any way I can do it under Benny Hinn Ministries? And I sent him this long email with like this cool plan I had. And he responds and he's just like, no. <laughs> and I was so offended. <laughs> I mean, like, I was so upset and, and hurt, like rejected you know, yeah, like, why sure. wouldn't he want me under his ministry, right, yeah. you know, little did I know, Benny clearly knew there was something I had to do alone. Yeah. yeah. And Come I on, think man. the greatest moments in life are, are always just like the greatest moments with God are moments that can only be discovered. Yeah, alone. Yeah. And on. there's things that only you can shepherd that you have to walk through. And it was kind of like the first time God really kicked me out of the boat. And what was cool is my uncle said, you know, I'll never forget when he gave me $2,000. So he gave me $2,000 for three months, every month to basically go and 
And he said, go follow the call that God's called wow. you to. And so he sent me out and I went to Rome. I was, I was petrified and, and now I'm getting a whole nother side of ministry. Yeah. I'm not going on a nice plane. I'm not staying in a nice hotel. I'm oh, staying man. on a, a, this pastor invited me, had six kids or six of them and their family. And, uh, and I slept on the ground in the living room with, with his kids. Yeah. And I flew my best friend, Chris Adam. And this was a, not a wealthy, this was a very poor family. And the church was maybe 30, 40 people folding chairs. Like I, we put the chairs out, you yeah. know, but I was so nervous. I mean, oh, I was babe. on, on my way there. I'm on the plane and I'm saying, Lord, um, like if someone has the plane, totally good with that. <laughs> Just don't kill anybody. Let's have like a mark. Let's have a Malta moment. Paul on the way to Rome. Like, you know, the ship will crash, but no one's going to die. Send me to an island. I don't want to preach. Like I did not want to preach. And my dad didn't help me prepare a sermon. I had on my notes, like I wanted him to, and he said, you got to follow the Holy spirit, you know? And, and so I have on my notes, have them clap, have, I don't know what I'm doing. I I wrote out every word that I thought I was going to say. And so I'm frustrated on the plane. I open up my Bible to Jeremiah one. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do this. And I'm questioning. I think I should, I don't think I should have left Benny. I think, I don't know if I heard and God. you're like what, 22 at the time? No, I'm at this time. I'm, I think I'm 20. I think I was only 21 at this time. Wow. Um, and crazy. so one of the things I told God on the plane is I'm too young for this. Like, I don't want to do it. I'm too young. I don't know how to speak. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I opened my Bible to Jeremiah one and, and my eyes land on, you know, the Lord says, Jeremiah, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah responds to the Lord and says, I'm just a youth. And it scared me because I just told God I'm too young for this. So now I'm paying attention, you know, and it says where I tell you to go, you're going to go. Don't look at their faces when you preach. In other words, don't worry about how they respond to you. Little did you know what that was going to turn into. You're still following that today. For sure. And, (laughs) And little did I know that I would go from a very timid, like I never saw it coming the way that God was going to call me to preach. Yeah. Not just to preach, but like the way he wanted the me way, to preach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I see this thing with Jeremiah and it says the Lord touched the mouth of Jeremiah. So I'm like, Lord, I need you to touch my mouth because I don't know what I'm doing. And I get up to preach. God is my witness. First night in Rome, this little church in like the slums, man. And um, totally different version of ministry for sure and something i really needed and so i get up i close my eyes i'm like these people can see my heart beating out of my chest i'm petrified and i feel right here like on my mustache get warm and i don't remember anything after that i don't remember what i preached i don't remember what i said i did an altar call and the whole church responded i remember thinking are they all not saved truly wow and i didn't look at the notes one time and i was I was fascinated like oh my gosh god just used me the very next so then i went from that make you hungry to do again or were you um it took me a while to accept like okay i'm called to this okay i will say after after that service i never was nervous again to talk in front of people wow like it god just took it the very next service was at a catholic charismatic church this is all in italy two of the invitations were from Italy. So I was able to do Rome. And then I went to this other city and I was at a Catholic charismatic church. And I remember Catholic preaching and I remember Christ. specifically talking about Christ in you. Cause that's what I could message grew up with my dad. Yeah. So I'm like, I could just memorize that. One, you know? <laughs> so I start preaching that and the pastor comes up to me at the end 
And it was funny, my only understanding of ministry was suit and tie, yeah. right? And none of these people are wearing suits and ties, but I show up looking like Benny Hinn, that's all I know. <laughs> I didn't know Bethel. I didn't know Bethel was a thing where I could yeah. wear beanies. You yeah, know? like yeah. I, I'm in a suit and tie. I look. I'm dressed to the nines, and they're like, "It's like a Wednesday," you know. And <laughs> so I go to this Catholic charismatic church. The place is like a that. small little building, but there's like a bunch of people in there. And I preach, and the pastor comes up to me and he goes, "Hey." I didn't even get like a clap at the end of the message. I was kind of like, I'm done. I was so <laughs> awkward. And the pastor comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, are you gonna um, pray for people?" they want you to pray for them you're benny hen's nephew that's what he said to me and i was kind of like i didn't i was too young and innocent to be bothered by that like i was just kind of like yeah. okay and hadn't put two to two two and two together. no not so like years later i was like hey that was really really weird thing to say you know <laughs> yeah. um, hey wait a minute <laughs> yeah yeah so so i'm like yeah i didn't know what i was doing and Gosh. so these people they start bringing them up in pairs of twos i'll never forget this like the pastor was like, come up in twos. He wants to pray for you and impart to you. I'm like, I don't know what I'm imparting. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a true story. That's I so literally cool. was like, um, you can ask Chris Adam, man. He was with me, best friend. I, I said, I, uh, I literally had this conversation in my mind. I saw Benny like wave his hand <laughs> and it worked. And so I figured <laughs> I'd try. And so people are coming up and I'm kind of like, <laughs> and and as god is my witness i'm not thinking about my motive i'm not thinking about any i'm just like this little kid going oh lord i don't know what i'm doing yeah and i'd love for you to help me right now yeah and i'm watching people like get struck by the lord and i'm like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand any of this and uh and the lord really helped me in that yeah. season but um but that was really the beginning of like getting into ministry and then it it really uh a lot a lot happened after that but on that trip i ended up move i ended up hearing the lord tell me to move back to southern california i was living in dallas for a few years my family moved back to southern california um and i had this seed in me of i want you to go find your old high school friends and i want you to start something and it was cool after the very first night of of preaching in rome i had a dream where i was walking up a hill and I'm watching these old buildings, gothic looking buildings implode into each other. And I hear a voice say, as you ascend the hill, Babylon will fall. And I came out of the mm -hmm. dream kind of with this name and this unclear vision of resignation. And what year would, do you think that was? Um, that was 2014. 14? Yeah. Interesting. And so 2014, I have this dream and this is the beginning of resignation. Um, wow. And so I moved back to California and um, I had now gone past the three months so I don't have any more support. Okay. And I moved into to Gerardo's attic um, who I did the last podcast with, literally yeah. lived in his attic. Wow. In California, no money, no grid for what I was doing and and then the Lord started breaking me again. Yeah, And another um, season of breaking. Another season of breaking and started resignation in southern california 2014 it was like g and i and a couple other guys and uh we had no vision other than i had a dream of a community that would gather around god's presence that would be the church gathering together and i had this thing of that i learned from my uncle of, of like ministry to god and i wanted to see the like Corey russell calls it the forgotten ministry in the church is called god like yeah. the one where we tend to him yeah 
and I had this thing in my heart like where I wanted that to see be revived in my generation um, and so we started gathering and and uh, and there's a, a lot to this part of the story but before we get into this part of the story I did want to you know we um, before we did the podcast we <coughs> talked about that's one super extreme side of like you know life and ministry that yeah. not a lot of people I think are aware of or accustomed to sure. you know what I'm saying yeah. it's like that's not a normal upbringing no or experience um and my my breaking was and I only shared maybe a couple of the stories but there was a lot in there where the Lord had to really like work on my heart through things of things I saw in ministry yeah um but coming out of it the amount of times I said when I got to California the amount of times I said Lord did I miss it like what is like yeah. I went from what I was doing with Benny to I got a job as a used car salesman what when first starting resonation in Southern California yeah and I'm terrible I'm broke out of my mind and I go from private planes to a used car lot yeah and and this is my calling yeah. and I thought like, that I had not I thought I didn't steward the season with Benny well like I thought that I was being disciplined for something yeah. that I had made a mistake and the Lord just kept like crushing me and crushing me and crushing me. And it's interesting because it's like, he started me like at like the height of like, mm -hmm. this is 40 years into Benny's story and right. I'm jumping on the bandwagon, yeah. you know? And I'm like, I don't know the prices and the, that he's had to pay. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking that this is what ministry looks like. Yeah. And the Lord's like, let me take you on a, on a journey. Yeah. So, I'm in this used car lot and had to be broken. And and you have a very similar, but in a very different way, storyline of yeah. that. Um, and so I thought it'd be really good before I move into the next section of the journey that you share uh, for a minute of like, when you somewhat kind of experienced the same thing. Yeah, I mean, for me, I didn't grow up um, obviously in a hen house. Um, but grew up in a great home. Uh, my father was a business owner. He was a general contractor, builder, um, small company. But I grew up in that, <coughs> grew up in that world, and um, eventually became part of it. And so I just always thought I was just going to be, um, you know, a small business owner. Uh, my job was to earn and and sow into the kingdom. That was. Once I got out into the the real world on my own, that's that's just what I thought I was going to do, right? I would, I would build a business, make a lot of money, and give it away. That was that was really what I thought, and um, and it seemed like the Lord gives you vision. The Lord will speak to you and and kind of give you a path, and you're like, okay, sweet, I got this. I know how to do that, you know. And then He's like, but He says, come follow me. But he didn't tell you the path to get to that vision he just showed you. Yeah, so, you know what so I mean? True. Just like what you're explaining, I, I experienced a similar, although much different. For us, that started in, um, which is interesting, 2014. Um, you know, we are, we have three kids at the time. Like I said, I'm partners with my father in a business. Um, life is going really well to be honest with you um everything is fantastic and but we were open in our lives to actually asking what the lord had for us versus just doing what we knew best that's kind of how it really started um and you know and i had gotten to a place where for the majority of my life i was what you would call what i would call like a 99 percenter 
like 99% of me was down with the Lord. I'll do whatever you want, but I'll keep this little 1%, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and it's I feel such like a, there's a part of that, like in, in all of us, it is, you know it is. And, and, yeah. but I had gotten to the place where I was like, okay, you can have the one too. Yeah. And, and I didn't know what that meant. And, and because deep down I knew if I ever give him this 1%, he's going to make me do something I don't want to mm. do. And that, that really was, I wasn't hooked and, you know, in sin or have all these different things that I was hiding from the Lord. I just knew when I hand this 1% over, he's going to make me do what I don't want to yeah. do. That was the, the crux of it. But I got to that place and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm in, I'll do whatever you want. I just need you to tell me what it is. <coughs> well, what it was, was leave my family leave Kansas city, leave, leave the life I knew, you know, in 2014, he started speaking about moving to Texas and I didn't know a soul in Texas. I didn't, I didn't know anything. Um, but it was very clear that he wanted us to move to Texas. And, and so I had to step away from my dad. I had to step away from my family. Um, and we just packed up and moved to Texas without really knowing why. And in a way you were like, I mean, if you would have stayed in Kansas, the reality is, is I'm guessing you would have probably one day taken the business. Oh, I already was. I was 50% owner. We split down the middle. Um, but that was the re the reality was I was taking over. My dad was on his way out. He was yeah. done. Um, so the future was bright. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had everything you know? I wanted. It was up to yeah. me. I could make as much as I wanted. I, I had. So you guys essentially thinking like, what on earth am I doing? Well, yeah. I mean, I, not unlike yourself, part of me was like, okay, maybe I'm going to go here and go to the next level. Okay. Maybe I did something wrong here. Like I haven't stewarded this well. So he's got to like, take me and teach me. I didn't know. I, you know, part of me was ignorant as all get at. Like I didn't have a clue. I was like, oh, we're, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in an environment where a lot of people did that. Like I didn't For go to sure. anybody and yeah, they were like, oh that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what you should yeah. do. They were like where you've lost your mind. You're yeah. going to walk away from and this. And be encouraged like leaders. Like I feel like most of the time, this is what it's like is like, Oh yeah. You are, yeah. He's not, I, you're confused out of your mind. Right. When, when it's really the Lord obedient. saying, Hey, I have this for you. Very rarely is everyone like, Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's the Lord. They're always like, man, have you prayed about it? Have you, yeah. you know, I, I love this story that Damon shares about how, when he stepped out, all of the people that loved him were like, Hey, slow down. Don't get too crazy. Yeah. And he takes it before the Lord and says, a lot of people are wanting me to use common sense. And, and the Lord said to him in that moment, if you have anything from me, it's not common. There's nothing common in me. And, and now looking back, that makes perfect sense. At the time, I think the Lord gives you a grace to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and even though, you know, in the reality of it, I didn't want to wake up at 65 going, I wonder what would have happened if I'd have listened. Mm. You know, I just didn't want to take that chance. So we That's a pretty amazing perspective. Yeah, honest. we moved to Texas and again, we thought that it was going to be glorious. And I didn't know that even though I felt like if you would have asked me at that time if I was broken, bro, I could share testimonies of like deep, deep brokenness, like that in that most people probably have never experienced but there was more, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, there's more to be broken, you know? So, and, and it was in a different area of my life, but we came down, we came to Texas. And what's interesting, the reason why I asked you what year that was that you had that dream 
was we felt like he said, become a nation that raises a nation. This was when? 2014. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, I, we, I don't think we've ever put that together. No, no. Until literally now live on in front of everybody. Yeah. No, like I didn't, I didn't know Dude, that would have been the exact same year, essentially at some point. And I didn't, I'm thinking a lot of times when the Lord speaks something like that, you're kind of like, all right. And you write so it say down. It again. Say again what he said to you. Become a nation that raises a nation. 2014, yeah. as I'm having a dream about starting Risen Nation. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, I mean, it, that just goes to show you like the Lord will be whispering these things in your ear that aren't going to manifest for, if that was 14, I really didn't. I probably didn't hear the name Risen Nation until 2019, 2020, and still never, like I didn't put that together. Like, I'm just like, right, yeah, we go to a church called Risen Nation. You know what I mean? Uh, and it honestly, I think I was actually working at the church when I was like, hey, wait a minute. And I'm asking Jenny, like, what was that word that, you know what I mean? Same thing with, with Habitation Ministries. I mean, we, you know, we have a thing that we want to release to the world called holy habitations and in 2014 i get a word from a lady and she said i see you building and it, this isn't any type of regular thing but i see you building holy habitations and you're just like all right i don't know what and that means for you the know. viewers like to, to tell you how insane this is because what we really want you to see in this is how in the details he's in it oh yeah in the in the especially in the breaking of it but here's what's insane is is I've had conversations with you about dreams that I've had in my heart about being able to help churches mm -hmm. become habitations for the Lord yeah. and and have specifically said, Tanner, I feel like there's an anointing on your life to help build those in these different churches. Yeah. And I've, I don't think you've ever told me this as clearly yeah. as I'm hearing today. So. I'm I'm usually slow, so sometimes <laughs> even though it's in here, I'm like, oh my, you know what I mean. But you I have feel those like we're moments. having kind of like an oh my gosh <laughs> kind of, moment yeah, like, right oh, now. This is of like that's I had no idea all that's 2014, and man, it's crazy. Two different ends of the spectrum. The Lord's writing these. Oh yeah, He's writing stories that are going to intersect. Well, I mean, He's outside of time, literally. I mean, we think He's literally writing history as it, as as we speak. Um, and we're squirming concerned and, about and, ourselves. Right. Because the reality is, is crazy. like right now that sounds glorious. Like someone out there is listening, like I want to experience that. <coughs> but what you don't know is I, I picked up my family, I moved to Texas and literally he strips me to nothing. Like everything, all these, um, everything that I had worked for and, and then even monetarily, um, you know, I got here and, and I was like, well, I'll just get a job, I guess, you know, and, and work and, and we'll see what the Lord does. And, and he was like, no, we're, you're not going to get a job. And I, I literally was getting denied by like Costco, Home Depot, like could not buy a job. And you're like, okay, I missed it. Like wow. I did not hear the Lord because my money's running out the window, you know, and and, and I Hope didn't Depot know is like, you're not the guy. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You're clearly not qualified to work for us. <laughs> you're like, I used to build homes, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, you know, wow. it was all the Lord bringing up the things inside of me that, that I didn't know were there. You know, you've never been down this path before. And, uh, much like yourself, it, you know, it's a school of brokenness 
But the reality is, is when you go through school in the beginning, it's easy and it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And, and a good parent will continue to make you go to school. You know, you, when you, when you're in (coughs) the fourth grade and you'd rather stay home with mommy instead of going to school, any good parents like, no, you have to do this because there's something for you. And trust me in 20 years, you'll be glad I made you go. You'll be happy. You can, you'll be happy. You came, you know? And so, and it, and it is now on this side of all of it, you can see looking back like, Oh, now I get it. But in the time at the time, man, you're confused. You're wondering, did I miss it? And, and for me, and I think this is for a lot of people when it didn't turn out the way I thought it was, or I didn't see like the blessing, like you didn't see the hand of the Lord on it, um, in the ways that you normally think you would, I assumed I did something wrong. Yeah. And and I think that's the biggest mistake that we make is no, he's building a man and it's going to take some time. Like as if we have the strength and ability to lose his grip on our lives. Sure. And that's, and that's something I feel like I've had to learn the, the hard way. And even today, Oh, After yeah. seeing what the Lord has done over and over yeah. and over again, I'm still like, did I do something wrong? God? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you mad at me? Yeah. You know? So, but it, it really is, is wild. Like the, a completely different side of the story in the spectrum. Yeah. You know? yeah different story, but same God you can, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's what I wanted to come out of this podcast is somebody's going to be listening going, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Like I can identify like, God, are you, you mean you put me here? You mean you want me to work in this place, even though it's not, has nothing to do with my, uh, you know, my destiny down the road. You know, I love to say, you know, if you are in him, Mm. then you are in your destiny right now. It might look different tomorrow. He may take you on a different, you know, he may take you to the heights that you've dreamed of, but if you're in him, you're in destiny right now. Yeah. And it gives you a lot of perspective of like, God doesn't, Ezekiel 14 says that, um, he does nothing without cause. That's right. Like he doesn't just flippantly do anything. Anything. And so wherever God has you is exactly where he wants you. Yeah. You are in exactly the right spot. And I'm still learning that. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like I've had that revelation (coughs) and then it'll sneak up and you're like, you have to remember it again. No, I'm in, I'm exactly where I'm <laughs> yeah, supposed to be. Exactly. It's so because good. as the school, as the schooling increases, as the brokenness increases, you know, I mean, the beauty of the brokenness is the more he breaks you apart, the more he comes out, you know, that's it. I mean, consider the life of David and yeah, if you've on, never man. read the tale of three Kings, read it. That's yeah, where I absolutely. got the phrase school of brokenness from, you know, Gene Edwards makes this beautiful statement about David gets anointed to be king, grander vision over his life. Oh yeah. Like imagine you're told the guy that's on the throne right now doesn't have my heart, but you do. You do. And in my eyes, you're already the king. Yeah. Like that's basically what yeah. David would have known. Yeah. And then David goes on a 15 to 20 year school, chased, wanted to be killed, sleeping in freezing caves. And I think the whole time God going, well, it changes worship. Yeah. Because God knew what he wanted in man. Yeah. But he had to build him. Yeah. And I'm building a man. And so now you get to this this point where David is at the throne, but he has the wine skin to carry what God yeah. wants to do in his life. And Gene Edwards makes a statement when David might have thought he was entering into the school of royalty, God was bringing him into the school of brokenness. Yeah. Come on. And uh and looking back, I think 
I needed it to be that oh, way. Oh, absolutely. There, I know. I know I needed everything that I've experienced to happen. Like the the worst of the worst. Like I needed that because I know myself well enough to know you couldn't have got to me without that. Like 100%. most people don't want to admit that. Like when you can get to the point where you can thank him for the lows because that was required. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I find myself in the season we're in now in Tennessee, you know, and, and even the financial burden of planning new churches and, and all the things that God is doing, I find myself in like seasons of desperation and need and, and it's almost like I find myself thanking God for keeping me hungry. Mm. And I don't think I knew how to pray that prayer Yeah, back then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, and that might sound really like, I don't even understand that. Um, but there's something about like, your hunger is a gift when you've got to continually go to God. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is, is like, we know how to ask when we're hungry, mm-hmm. but then when he starts giving us what we need and what we want, he wonders, will you still Are stay you still hungry? hungry? Yeah. And so I find that now in the seasons where I really need him, I pray, wow, Lord, what a precious season this is. Yeah. May in the seasons where I have a little less abundance, need than I do yeah. now and there's abundance, may my heart still yearn for you like this. Yeah. I love when, I mean, it's, we'll probably reference David in anything we talk about forever. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, God does. Yeah. That, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and when you think about it, when, <coughs> when David has it in his heart to build a house for the Lord, you know, God responds. And as we all know, and if you've been around here at all, you've heard it talked about a lot. Um, but you know, when you build a house for me and then he starts to tell David about what the Lord's done for him. And it's funny because he said, I took you from the field when you were following the sheep. Now, if you've ever seen a shepherd, they don't follow sheep. I don't think David was a, like the world's best shepherd. I think he sucked at it because he's so like, good, uh, remember when you were following the sheep? Like you weren't leading the sheep. You were following the sheep. And then he says, wow, I did this and I did this and I did this Dude, and I delivered. And, and he goes through how essentially the Lord's like, I've pretty much done it all. But now you're here and you want to build me a house? No, no, no. I'm still going to do it. I'm going to make you a house. Yeah. And if, when you really look at it, he says, you want to build me a house, but I'm going to make you a yeah, house. I'm gonna and there's, a, there's a difference between, no, he doesn't use the word build. He used the word make. Wow. And then he goes back and uses the word build the second time about the physical structure. Solomon will build me a house. But when it comes to David, no, I'm making you a house so beautiful you know we like to talk about um you know in hebrews where it references um moses and and this talks about these guys faith and you know and then he references the builder of a house and and he says but the builder of the house is the one who really and he's the one who deserves the credit you know not the house itself and what you're talking about what i'm talking about when we're talking about david and the lord making him a house is the Lord's building a man. And at the end of it, you won't go, wow, look at that man. You'll be like, man, look what the Lord built. 100%. That's what it always turns around to. It always has to turn back to him. It always has to get back to all of these stories that you hear, all of this, you know, these testimonies that you have, my testimony, my life. It won't be look at William Hinn or look at Tanner Phillips. It'll be like, look what the Lord made. And, and I think that this way of thinking is the only 
it like this perspective is the only thing that'll give us generational thinking exactly because ultimately david i think recognizes after years and yeah. years and years of being broken down come on he he only only then can you come into the revelation of i'm no longer trying to accomplish something yeah but i'm trying to give something to the next generation yeah. and, and that's he, exactly what he does he doesn't get to build it he no. gives all the materials and he's good to with solomon it. and and then hebrews it comes along and it says and he fulfilled all, all the will of god yeah. in his generation that's he, profound that's the key though he fulfilled what god had for him not yeah. what he david's heart yeah. was to build it for him god was like no it's not my heart yeah. he's like okay and <laughs> and i think that this is a huge a huge point in our culture today is is like i think a lot of people that want to be in ministry will hear my story yeah. and they're like man i would love that to be my story and then here's a totally different perspective and there's something to like accepting there's a story that God is only writing with 100%. you and you have, and the sooner you come to grips with that yeah. and stop looking at Instagram yes. and the highlight reel of somebody come, else's please life, say that. please say, that. you know, it's like the sooner we just accept like, Lord, you have called me to something yeah. that only I can accomplish with you. Yeah. It, it just, you kind of got to settle that now. Like don't wait yeah. to settle that because we have a huge issue with comparison in our culture and the Lord has this journey that's beautiful. Yeah, and Bill Johnson says it the best. He says, once you find out who the Lord wants you to be, you'll never want to be anyone else. That's so good. Like it, Come it, on, Bill. It, yeah, I mean, of course you have to reference Everything it. that comes out of his mouth is yeah, He's pretty much fantastic. already got it all figured fantastic. out. Fantastic. <laughs> but it's the truth. When you start going down this journey, especially like you said, in, in today's world where we're constantly looking at someone else's Instagram life, you can think that's it. But even if God were to take you out and put you in those shoes, it would be like putting you in different skin. It wouldn't fit. You would not for sure like that life. And you'll find that you have to give a lot more effort. And what essentially your story is like, hey, let me take you to the heights. And, and you're like, this isn't for me. No. When in the beginning, the things the Lord was doing and the provision and the, the way he was moving and, and I mean, who doesn't want to fly around the world on private jets and, you know, touch the world essentially for God, that sounds great. But if it's not for you, you'll find yourself going, well, this isn't for me. 100%. You know? And my, my story is these really big heights and these really low lows and a constant question from the Lord of what do you want? Yeah. And it's like, he wonders, well, I keep saying, I'm just here to be with you. Yeah. I'm just here to follow you. I'm not trying yeah, to get Yeah, you somewhere. don't go, I'm not going. Yeah. I mean, that, I'd, like, I love that. Like yeah. Exodus 33, I'd rather be in the wilderness with you than the promise without you yeah. was what made Moses different than That's the children right. of Israel. That's right. And so I have lost count of how many times I find myself like at the peak of, of like, I made it. And the Lord's like, wilderness, let's go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, but, you know, essentially Jesus goes to the wilderness to be baptized. But then he goes into a deep wilderness in order to be empowered by God. And he was led by the Holy Spirit. There. Led by the Holy Spirit there. So it's like wilderness to wilderness. Yeah, so but good. then I had this thought yesterday of like, you know, I, I essentially heard you define your definition of wilderness as, you know, the, the place between two points or the area between two destinations, that that's a wilderness in which I think that's a good definition. Um, but essentially you would have to look at all 33 years of Jesus's life as the wilderness because he, mm -hmm. he came to the realization of where he was from and he came to the realization of where he was going and he knew that. And yeah. he, so think about walking this earth 
with, in your words, the chromosome of God in you and everything you dealt with, you know, <clears throat> like it, it's really profound. And I think until you can see your current circumstances in that light, like, why do you have me here, Lord? Like, why am I flying on this jet is great. Going experiencing this is great. Why, you know, okay, you're building a man, but then fast forward to working at a car dealership, like, you know, what's going through your head when you were <laughs> two months ago, you were, you know, flying on a jet and, you know, had all these things at your hands. And now you're in a car dealership trying to sell used cars. Like surely that's not the Lord's plan for yeah. the man of God. What I'm thinking at this point in my life is I failed. <laughs> um, I, I had no grid for what God was doing. Uh, honestly one of the saving graces that season was i met emily and yeah. so wow. when, when i when the first resignation meeting we ever had this blue-eyed girl walks into the room and i actually went to high school with her i didn't mm. i was a senior she was a freshman so we didn't really know each other but this girl walks into the first meeting we ever had and i hear the holy spirit speak to me that's your wife we were wow. engaged five months later wow so there was a part of me that was like maybe I came to just find my wife and that really was the most important sure. part oh, of, yeah. of the Absolutely. story to the Lord. Yeah. But even in that, I still had so many questions for God of, of like, I, the biggest thing for me was I felt like I did something wrong in the Benny yeah. season yeah. and now I was being disciplined for it. Yeah. So I would often say to the Lord, Lord, give me another chance to like wow. do better. Wow. And I, and, and looking back, it's like, I just feel like the Lord is like, you're so cute. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. That, I mean, his grace is like, <laughs> gosh, you know? And so I struggled bad. I was living with my in-laws. Um, so where was your dad in that journey? In that part of the journey? Cause I know, you know, your dad's influence. I know what his voice means to you. So when you're experiencing those things, what's your spiritual father? How is he looking at that? Um, gosh quiet really yeah i you know and when i say quiet he's always there for me and this is a good i'm glad you answered that way because there's seasons where the lord is quiet I, oh, matter of yeah. fact your dad just preached about yeah, one of the best one of the best ever. messages i've heard in a while of like yeah. when god's quiet like it was profound do? yeah and for you to say that i mean respond. i think and he was always there for me the one thing my dad has always done very well with me is he doesn't try to he doesn't like, he doesn't just waste words processing, mm. which we do a lot. Sure. We have so many coffee meetings about pro <laughs> trying to process what God's doing. Though my dad's thinking is, is what a waste of time. Yeah. And I think the only reason he thinks like that is because how many times he one time said to me, the Lord breaks you enough to where he, you walk tall, strong, and then he brings you to your knees. And then you walk tall and strong, bring your knees. He said, at some point I had to learn just to stay on my stay knees. On knees yeah. And so I, I feel like in many ways, my dad was like watching me go through this. And I think my mom squirmed because oh, sure. my mom wants her, I'm the youngest and clearly the favorite. So <laughs> I feel like my mom, she hated the fact I lived in a different state oh, for the yeah, first for time. Sure. But there was something profound i feel like especially my dad knew that i needed to go and be alone yeah i needed to get out of the comfort of my my family the household and i needed to find like god what he had for me mm -hmm. and so i'm thinking i should never moved here should have never left benny 
And, but then I met Emily and I'm going, okay, I, I definitely see God in that. Yeah, That's yeah, everything. Sure. But, but maybe ministry is not what I'm called to. So I really got into my Really? Head. So you got that far? Oh yeah. Wow. Bro, I would have horrible days. Wow. And it would be the days where I'm at the dealership till 9 PM. I haven't sold oh, yeah. a car and mm-hmm. you're making minimum wage. And my GM is like, you gotta be better. You know? <laughs> I was terrible. You should try selling a car yeah, since I that's what you do. Terrible, <laughs> terrible at selling cars. And uh, and so I spent most of my days, my the GM would always say, if you're gonna sell them, you gotta know the vehicles well. So I would take out like Audi, Audi R8s and <laughs> just go open them up in the hills of Southern California. Yeah, so probably spent a little too it's much time too doing yeah. that, you know? Um, that was the good perk of the job. But um, I left everything and started this little group as a nation and it wasn't there was i had no idea how to lead so that's good i i was it was in turmoil you know it was like this seed and i'm going did i really hear god on this and again god's building me yeah and uh and i and when he when you say building you something that i i hope people hear is he's not necessarily breathing on it in this moment he's giving you a seed and you're going to steward the seed and it may rain this season or not. We'll see. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. leaves you in that place of like, here's your seed. Let me see if he goes and plants it. Let me see if he tries to water it. Let me see if he, you yeah. know what I mean? And he doesn't just breathe out of nowhere. And in it. will you be faithful to the word of God when you're not seeing the fruition of it? That's it. Yeah. And, and so the whole thing's a test. Like I'm real, <laughs> like, the whole, and in the moment you don't know you're being tested. That's it. Yeah. You think you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So I'd been in the dealership for a while and I went from this hide-in ministry to like a nine-to-five that nobody wants, you know. Um, and one day I'm, I'm at the dealership and my GM, who was a believer, we went to the same church at that time. I hear this guy's voice come on and he's watching the Holy Ghost documentary trailer on his computer in the showroom. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy named Todd White yeah. and he's at a corn concert and he's yelling, if you want to know Jesus, get over here. And I'm watching people run. Yeah. When I heard his voice, something like leaped in my spirit. <clears throat> so I go to, to Eddie Mahano was his name. And I, and I'm like, who is this guy? What is this? And this dude was weird. Like looking to me like dreadlocks. Yeah, for sure. He had toe shoes on. The only ministry I knew was suits, alligator shoes, and my uncle's weird loafer things. And so I'm like, yeah. This doesn't look like what I came from. And to me, to operate in the anointing, I needed the choir. Yeah. I needed the keys. That's that's powerful. The organ, the pad. Wow. And here's Todd, who's doesn't need anything, and yeah. miracles are taking place. Yeah, that's wild. So I start listening to this guy, and um, and I can't stop listening to him. Like, I turn him on YouTube in the showroom, and I can't turn it off. And like my boss would walk around and I would like pretend like I'm not watching it. Like I got captivated by what he carried and it was so different. And yeah. then I find Dan Muller and I start listening to all these guys. And then Emily is introduces me to Bethel. And I, I had never listened to anybody outside of my uncle, my dad. Like that's how, like, that's all I knew. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first time she showed me Stephanie Gretzinger on a stage at Bethel. She didn't have shoes on and a beanie. And I said, is it cold? Like, <laughs> why does she have a beanie on? And, and I hear Stephanie Gretzinger saying, spont- singing spontaneously and saying, there's a line and we've crossed it. Some would say that we've lost it. We have found our joy. Wow. And she did it in her beautiful voice. And I started weeping. Wow. And I said, this is something I've never heard. Yeah. 
And so I find Bill. And I'm so like, you have a paradigm shift in a oh, in a dealership in California. I called my dad. I'm like, Bob, there's people out there that, that, <laughs> that preach some of the same things you do. Like I yeah. am having, I went from super discouraged to like, I'm I've never been happier in my life. Wow. And and it's all based on this revelation that God's giving me. And I realized, and what Todd really helped me see was we're talking about ministry and Todd's going, your life is the ministry. Yeah. And I needed that piece of the puzzle yeah, come on, man. badly. So he's so good at that too. Yeah. So I, I, I show up to the showroom now. I still don't care about selling cars. I'm like, I'm going to pray for everybody. <laughs> I'm driving an Audi today and then I'm going to pray. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to pray for them while I'm driving the Audi on the test drive. And I had people tell me, uh, you're, you're just talking about Jesus cause you want to sell me a car. I had my mm. boss tell me I got to stop, yeah. but I was seeing miracles take place, like wow. kidneys being healed. I mean, there's so many stories and it, and I'm like, this is, this is crazy yeah. that, that this happens outside of church. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. That's your paradigm shift. That's, that's kind of cool. You and know, I'm learning. And so the I'm a kid who grew up inside the church doing it. Yeah. I'm realizing that this is available outside. Yeah. And so I start like doing this stuff with Emily when we're out and like her parents, and all of our lives start changing. And so um, in that in that season, it was, I was broke as can be. I was too prideful to call my parents and be like, I desperately need help. Yeah. So I wasn't, I mean, I need to get skinnier again, but I was like skinny <laughs> because I wasn't eating. And I just was, I was like working nine hours a day, but I didn't care. I yeah. was like, man, I'm getting captivated now wow. and now I'm now I'm not saying I made mistakes but the Lord is still like nothing's working at Risen Nation yeah in a sense you know it's not like 120 young people came right in the beginning and then they all left and mm. so it was it was just like this constant breaking 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 and I remember uh, saying to God after I started listening to Todd and Dan, I just want to meet these guys and I just want to say thank you. I no, I never in a million years thought I'll work for them. Never even crossed my mind. I'm just thinking this dude is actually changing my life. Yeah. And so um, I get a call one day from my cousin Theo and he had a church in Orlando called The Answer and he said, hey, I'm having this guy Todd White come to my church and I felt from the Holy Spirit that you're supposed to come. Wow. And I'm at like, as far as like my life goes and work, I'm like at the all time low, you know? Yeah. And, but on a spiritual level, some, there's an awakening happening in my heart. So yeah. Theo calls me and I'm like, I'm there. So me and Emily fly to Orlando and, um, a week before we board the flight to go to Orlando, Todd happens to be preaching in Irvine, California. And it's the first time I wanted to go see him in person, still, still at the dealership. And, um, and so I go in and, uh, to meet him, there's one part of the story I, I did miss that I think is important to share. I actually, I was still ministering a little bit. Like I would get these random invitations and mm, okay. one, one invitation I got was in Ecuador and, uh, wow. and I go and I minister and the day I leave my, the used car dealership gave me one month of leave. Oh, wow. And so the day I. I get on the plane and go to Ecuador, the cops raid the business because the owner of the dealership was in like tax fraud, oh, shut wow. the place down. Wow. So I come back with no job. Okay. So at this point, 
I wasn't actually still selling used cars. Gotcha. At this point, I was jobless. Awesome. So when Theo calls me, I'm at the lowest low of, I think at this point, I'd gone for months without a job. And I just bought Emily a ring. Wow. We bought a car, our first car together. I'm living with her parents. And at this time, her, I think I, I really honor her, of course, her parents, but I'm also going, my father-in-law has got to think I am the biggest failure <laughs> of all time. And I feel like back then he's going, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, like yeah. there had to be that. Any oh, good father, sure. yeah. you know, like you're sitting on my couch That's watching awesome. TV shows with my daughter. You're going to go find a job. And, but I couldn't, like nothing worked. I applied everywhere. Nothing worked. Same. And I'm like thinking I am an utter failure, thousand percent. but I'm getting held on by this string of, of like, of course the presence of the Lord, but it's like, I'm having these, these experiences praying for people and yeah. the stuff that God is using Todd for. So when I first go see Todd in Irvine, when Theo calls me, I don't have a job. And, um, and so anyway, I, I go to this service in Irvine with my in-laws, with Emily, a bunch of our friends are there and they're like, they all love Todd and they're like, we know the pastor. We're going to get in the green room. You want to come get in the green room? And I'm like, been around that spirit my whole life. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> so I sit, we sit in the middle of back area and, and at the end of service, Todd points at me and he tells me to come up wow. and I'm like, so he just gives me a hug, prayed over me. And then I ended up helping him pray for people. And we didn't, there was like this, something happened when we gave each other a hug and we just held each other and cried little did he know a week later i'm going to meet him in orlando so i fly to orlando wow. theo introduces me to him and uh and nothing like profound happened there he really asked me so what do you do and i'm like well i was selling cars but i like what i enjoy doing is events and i did that for my uncle for a long time and um and so he's like well my wife and i are moving to dallas and what's crazy is on my way to orlando the lord told me to move back to dallas and so he said, we're moving to Dallas and Emily and I look at each other and we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, and so he ends up offering me a job. And so I go from Benny Hinn Ministries to a used car dealership while starting Resonation. And now I'm going to move back to Dallas, bring Resonation there. And I'm going to start working for a guy named Todd White. And, and all the thoughts are like, I'm erratic. Like, <laughs> yeah. like what is happening? You yeah. know, hundred um, yeah. percent. And so I get to, to Dallas and I become his lifestyle Christianity's first employee in 2016. Mm. And then a new grade in school begins. Yeah. And, um, and what's so, wild about that is in 2014, <coughs> we moved here, but then in at like the end of 2016, early 2017, my wife, Jenny has a dream that she is helping this guy, Todd white. Yeah. And this so is where our story lives in. She looks up the ministry online there in Pennsylvania and emails him. If you ever need help, I'm here. Colleen calls and says, we're going to be at gateway church. Have you ever heard of it? She's like, yeah, that's where we go. And Colleen's wow. like, I'll be there Wednesday. Todd's going to speak. You can help me to sell shirts. That was her foray into lifestyle, which is essentially how we met you. It's crazy wow. like the like the it starts coming yeah, together it really know? does yeah so i go from benny hen to todd white and what a change yeah i was gonna say like, like you went from <laughs> i mean 
polar opposites does not even remotely close to describing it. <laughs> and so I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm like a deer in headlights. Did here. you show up in a suit the first? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> At that point, I had watched Bethel enough to know that dressing with t- t-shirts and sweatshirts was okay and accepted in our time. But, uh, but I remember one of the first times we, we were sitting in a minivan together driving somewhere and I had right before I got my job for him. And, uh, and he asked me a question about, I don't know, something. And, and I said, well, I, I can't wait to just come and like serve you. And he said, serve me. He said, I just want you to be my friend. And I was like, no, I remember literally saying, I'm not here to be your friend. Yeah. Like I only know honor. Like that's all I know. Yeah. And he was like, kind of looked at me sideways and it was cool because looking back, I had so much to learn from him and he would tell you today like i don't think that he had a grasp of like that culture of honor you know oh for sure no doubt you were going to teach him and he was going to teach you and 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 something just sparked and we got attached at the hip and Mm -hmm. so they originally brought me on to oversee social media and then they quickly realized i am terrible at that (laughs) um and so then i started actually planning the events and it's just been like it was like one thing after another so then they moved me out of that then I became his personal assistant. And then eventually by the end of kind of my time with the ministry, I was actually just an itinerant mm. under lifestyle. Yeah. And all I did was travel. I did the, I preached all the power and loves with Todd and then would basically take invitations that he couldn't and he would send me on them. And so th- there's so much to the story within the four years of working for yeah. him. Uh, and, and obviously life-changing. I yeah. mean, I, I don't remember having hot food ever traveling with yeah. him because the the waiter's always getting saved or healed or delivered yeah. and i don't want to be the guy that's like you know just munching while he's doing it's the work so of the Lord. interesting because a lot of the stories to that point were like where with pastor benny it would be in the building like these radical stories yeah. most of your radical stories with oh. todd can be outside the building 95 percent of it isn't was that, outside the building and i'm getting these two different worlds now yeah how cool is that and and getting like the like the lord is like i want you to learn from all of it yeah you know and so i um so there's so many amazing experiences but like todd and i were became very close and uh because i went everywhere with him and with benny it was always a big team with todd it was just like us yeah we just went yeah and um and so amazing experiences while i'm there for the sake of time because this is already long um and i and i thought we could split it up in two parts but honestly you know i really feel like this is what our conversations are like yeah it literally is when we go and have coffee like i really am just it's long but i feel like it's needed and it's rich and just hang with us but i basically um toward the end so much so much happened within the ministry but the one thing i will say that i always noticed with todd was i was just like man there's such a just a purity yeah and like an innocence and uh and so toward the end i was a little caught off guard because i served for four years never had like a bad experience honestly with todd and four years goes by and you you almost like i feel like in many ways it's like we you can so easily become codependent on one another sure you know because we started together yeah and uh <clears throat> so fast forward 
uh, it's 2020. I'd been with him for four years at this point and uh, experienced a lot of, uh, of amazing things. And at that point, I was, Emily and I, uh, Benjamin was just born. So we had three kids kind of at the end. And that's when I started to like really feel the cost of travel and lost count of how many times like, you know, and I didn't, I, it's, I, it was my job, you know, it wasn't yeah. like I could just be like, Hey Todd, I don't feel like going to this trip right. because I want to be home. Um, so I, I lost count of how many times I would be crying on planes, like watching videos of my little ones. And yeah. So Emily and I have never known what it's like to not travel. And I have to say, I have the greatest, in my opinion, greatest wife on the planet who just like, we have found a grace, uh, where the way she mothers, the way that she mm. leads is, is unbelievable, yeah, you know? And awesome. so we've, so that was a, a hard, a hard learn learning lesson was how to prior, like, how do we prioritize our family? Um, and honor also like the calling of the Lord where he has us yeah. and recognizing the greatest call is the family, yeah. you know? And so there was a lot of hard conversations, I think with, with Todd early on about like what that looks like. I've got, he didn't have toddlers at the time. Well, they actually ended up adopting little ones, but not till a little bit later on in, in the walk with him. So 2020 hits, I'm an itinerant under the ministry. I'm now full-time preaching. My only job is to travel and preach and do power and loves. Yeah. COVID hits. Um, and at this point to up to kind of bring everyone up to date on the risen nation story yeah, that's what i was going to say um risen nation at this point had become a local church yeah. and that's a gosh there's so much to this know, story it but like, um you go for days I, and i don't have time to really paint paint that whole picture but i will say never thought risen nation was going to be a church right and the radical story of how we got there is unreal yeah. you know but the whole time i'm working for todd there's this little group inside of coffee shops and living rooms and back at the church buildings fellowship halls beginning to gather yeah and and psalms 132 is coming alive of like lord what does it look like to as a people you know uh living stone upon living stone building a community that becomes a dwelling place for the lord yeah and uh but i thought i could do that like without ever it being like a local church. And so the Lord confirmed through many, many ways that we were to start as a local church in 2019. And August 20, 25th, 2019, we launched as a church. And uh, what started out was just like a, a little seed in Southern California, really stayed super small in Dallas. And then we started as this little seed of a church. And I, I think the first service we had was like 90 and then we went back down to like 30, you know, yeah. after we started. and. And the whole time I'm traveling with Todd, I have this this small team of leaders that's just like, the Lord spoke to us 2014 and we're gonna stay faithful. We just stayed faithful, we stayed faithful, we stayed faithful. So now you get to 2020, we had grown a little bit, but the church had to be shut down. COVID happens, we can't meet. And by shut down, I mean like we didn't close our, just because of COVID, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so I don't know if we're gonna even recover. We're a young, new yeah. local church this is the part of the story that I'm going, even the Lord breaking me down of, of like, I was so against being a pastor, so against it. I did not <laughs> want to be a pastor. And this is where like, if you would have going back to the 2012, when I started Benny, if you would have told me I'm going to start a church in Dallas, Texas called resignation, I would be the senior pastor. I'd have laughed in your face. Like, yeah. I'm like, that's the furthest thing <laughs> from what is going to happen. And, um, 
And so we start this church and, and I have to like get over like what I want. And the yeah. Lord's like, this is what I've called you to. I, I thought I was going to do more like the Benny stuff, you know, like, let's just travel and, yeah. and drop a bomb and leave, yeah. you know, but it's like, no, the Lord's like, no, I want you to raise people. And I'm like, that just sounds difficult. Yeah. You know, sounds like work Lord. Yeah. So I end up, we start the church shortly after COVID hits, but I was able to keep my job with lifestyle. So I was full-time at lifestyle and I'm pastoring this church. Which and, helps because uh, the church didn't have to support you. For sure. And the church didn't have any money to support me in the beginning. And, right. And, and it really, we didn't have a ton of needs outside of our Sunday service right, yeah. in the beginning. So Experimental. 2020 COVID hits and Todd calls an emergency meeting one day and keep in mind, only job was to travel, right? So now I don't know what's going to happen with my job. Todd comes into the office, calls this emergency meeting. There's probably 70 staff at the time. And he says, hey, the Lord spoke to me. I'm going to start a church. Now he had blessed me to start Risen Nation, of course church as a church keep my job and at the time a lot of the lifestyle christianity staff yeah were attending risen nation yeah so then todd comes including my wife yeah and and todd comes and he's like the lord told me to start a church and i'm like oh like yeah. what does that mean yeah you know and it really wasn't because honestly from the bottom of my heart it didn't enter my mind oh my gosh people are in my church what entered my mind was am i losing my job mm. because my only job was to travel and preach. And he said, William and I are coming off the road. Like I'm not gonna do power and loves. I'm gonna start a church and we're gonna do, we're gonna do everything local. And I'm, and I'm trying to navigate. Okay. So what does that mean? Like if he's, if he has a church on Sunday and I have a church on Sunday, yeah. like, am I gonna have to pick, you know? Yeah. So I ended up having a talk with him and he's like, well, let's just merge him, you know, and you can come and be my associate and, and let's just do it together, you know, cause our communities were so connected. So I said, well, let me pray. So for a week I prayed got our elders involved. And at this point I had asked you and Jenny to be elders mm -hmm. already. Yeah. Um, I think you were already on the board. Yep. And so we had, our paths had already crossed and we all prayed and collectively felt a no. Like yeah. I felt this strong no from the Holy Spirit and I had to build the courage and go tell Todd, God told yeah. me no. That's hard. When I told him after being with him all those years, he didn't respond the best in the moment. And this is all public, of course, like, um, and, immediately repented to me the next day but when he immediately responded like the way that he did it really hurt me and i had these expectations of like he's gonna send me and he's gonna bless me and yeah and uh none of it happened and that wasn't on him and i think i've learned now being in the position of the leader yeah that people oftentimes put so much expectations on you for what they think they deserve mm -hmm. and and it was never promised to me. Right. Like it was like, he never told me he would do that. He never, he never gave me any of these guarantees. I had expectations I put on him. And then when he'd failed the expectations I put on him, I got mad at him. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's irrational. Yeah. It's it, essentially what we do to the Lord on a daily basis. That, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> we, he tells us something, we build the story. And then when he doesn't do it the way we thought we're upset for sure. And, and I was, on him. and I was mad at him. Yeah. And, and I put on a smile, like even when he repented to me the next day, I'll never forget. He actually said to me, I responded to you like, like, and it takes a lot of humility for a leader. So he said, I responded to you like an orphan yesterday wow, and I not a father. That. Wow. And, and I, and I'm sorry. And, and I think he was just shocked sure, because we were so close mm -hmm. and, and I he was probably just never envisioned that ever happening. And I was the first person for that. He ever experienced leaving his like his ministry yeah that's true first person he hired first person i think technically to 
to transition out mm-hmm. that he was close to. Yeah. So, um, so I, I end up stepping away. I'm really nervous about money, you know, and, uh, and again, I, I, at least I felt, okay, I'm not being treated uber nice exiting with finances and all that. And so I leave and it's April 30th is my last day. Keep in mind, Risenation is still shut down mm-hmm. and it's, and it's, I don't know if people are going to come when we open back up. So here I am again. And the Lord is once again, breaking me down to go, will you trust me? Mm-hmm. This is all part of the plan. Yeah. And, uh, and every day questioning, am I making the right decision? Did I hear you correctly? Yeah. Did I pass up a God opportunity yeah. in just making my life easier and merging? Yeah. Because those thoughts crossed my mind oh, because for sure. the easy thing to do would have been like, yeah, let's just merge Yeah, because I didn't want to be a pastor anyway, you know, yeah. truthfully. Yeah. And, um, and so fast forward the very next day, my uncle Benny happens to be at my dad's house having dinner. I get a call from my dad. And he's like, your your uncle wants to, and, and you'll see this, there's three guys that the Lord continually used in my life. And it was my uncle, my dad, and, and Todd. Yeah, and, so I'll, and we'll finish the podcast with a pretty wild story. But Benny happens to be at my dad's house, says, I want William to come. I need to talk to him. Makes me sit in front of him and he points his finger at me and he said, you're not allowed to be under Todd anymore. And I remember that like really shocking. And he had no idea yeah. that I had literally just left just lifestyle. Left. Yeah. And, and he goes, I love, he said to me verbatim, he said, I love Todd. He said, one of the purest hearts I've met. He said, but in your story, in your story. you have to, where you're going to next, you have to go alone. Yeah. And Say only, that again. Only you can shepherd. Everyone needs to hear that. Yeah. Like where you're going next, you have to go alone. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's like, you can't, you can't go on, on Todd's call. Yeah. You ha- it's yours. It's your time. It's your cross to carry. Yeah. Like it's your time now yeah. to step into your call. And I'm thinking, but are there even any people that are going to come? Yeah. I know we don't have any money. And you and and my sister, like I think that was the only board at the time. Basically, the board Gary. Oh, and Gary. Um, sorry, Gary. I don't. I didn't forget about you. I love you. <laughs> um, and and you guys had voted to keep my salary as if I was still working at Lifestyle, mm. and I. And I remember thinking, but there's no money. And one of you was like, well, if it comes in, you and your wife will eat and get paid. And if it doesn't, it'll be fine. And I remember my dad being like, yeah, they can live with me if they want. And I'm like, you know, so, um, so we had no idea. And and 15 days later, I'll never forget it because that was, that was May 1st. May 15th was the first paycheck I wasn't going to get. Yeah. 15 days later, we got our normal paycheck and nothing's changed since yeah and it was crazy because we opened up i want to say it was like right around mother's day and we like grew like four times Mm -hmm. like it was right at the end of that april season because that was the first time we went and i only know that because that was literally my last day at the company I was with would have been the end of April and we went to Resonation. Isn't that crazy? Break. Just like the, the When you look up the timeline, it is insane. Now when you're saying that, I'm like, that's the weekend we came. Oh my It's gosh. crazy. It literally is but crazy. But that, that whole season was like, I, you talk about, I'm finding my whole life in ministry has been this just stumbling in obedience toward mm-hmm. God. 
it feels dark. I don't know where I'm going, feeling my way after him. And, you know, and I, Acts 17, and not to get super deep, but like, I think that that is like a picture of worship, you know, mm-hmm. because Acts Absolutely. 17 talks about like you, he set boundaries for men. In other words, like everybody has their their call. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their boundary and allotted in life in which they're called to in Acts 17 that we might feel toward God. Yeah, I love that. And the picture is, is a dark room and you're trying to feel where you're going. Yeah. I feel like that's been my journey with God. 100%. It's like this constant, like you're just... And so that's why I don't really trust anybody that's like, I got the five-year plan because no, like, yeah. you don't. You it, really, it, truly don't, yeah. you know? Um, nobody does. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, you just are trying to find him. And then when you find him, you hang on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I love the song of Solomon 3, 4. I found the one in whom my soul loves. I held him and I'm not going to let him I'm go. Let him go yeah. And wherever he wants to go, I'm down to go. And eventually he breaks you down enough where you're just like, I'm not, I don't really care what happens next. Yeah, yeah. And I started getting to that point. Like, yeah. I don't care what happens next. I just need to hold on. Yeah. hold on to him and so I mean, you think about it even the lord like i only do what i see the father doing i only say what he says i mean if you really want to break that down to like i am 100 percent dependent on him yep and that's it's not an easy road getting there, no it's really not know? because most people <coughs> you know it and i would ask you this like if if you really were to take a, a synopsis of how you felt in that time did you feel like you were operating by faith or were you just simply stumbling you know oh, what I mean? Gosh. Like, yeah, no, like I, to paint a picture, like when I look back on my journey of just like, you know, eventually I, I do get employed, thank God, but it's not doing anything like I was doing before. And I'm like, Lord, this is, I don't understand why I would be yeah. here. And now I'm down. This doesn't make any sense. And looking back, it all unfolds beautifully. But at the time I was not like, Oh, this is going to work out great. Yeah. I was just stumbling day after day after 100%. day. You know what the word faith means? I think we have this idea that faith is me being strong. That's what I was That's what I was alluding to. The, the Greek word for faith is to become like wax. Right. And it actually says make a friend. Yeah. That's what, fa- I mean it. Yeah. And so and the wax has no input. The friend is it's molding like it. God brings you down to being moldable. Right. And, and, it's why it says in our weakness, his strength is perfected. And so whenever Jesus says, you of ye of little faith in the New Testament, it, the word um, like ye of little faith, it's, if you look at it in Greek, it literally could be translated, you abundant with yourself. Yeah, and, good. and so I've actually found that way, faith is not how strong i can believe mm. faith mm. is how much i can surrender to the lord that's really good it's a good way to put it and and so i have found that it's like this constant you remember damon talks about this we keep saying the word the, the name damon yeah look up damon thompson will change your life yeah. so 100%. someone we both love listening to damon talks about peter coming to jesus the night of his betrayal and says you know lord nobody will nobody will be able to kill you like i would die for you yeah and you know jesus is like okay peter like actually you're gonna deny me three times and you'll know when the rooster crows and uh and it's like peter came to prove his loyalty to god in his own strength and i think the obviously we know that by the power in an infilling of the holy spirit peter goes from a scared man who says he'll do something but ends up not wanting to be associated and denies him 
to gives his life for the Lord yeah. and truly actually does it. Right. The difference was, is he only could do it once the Holy Spirit came. That's right. And so I think the announcement is, hey, Peter, this next season, you can't walk into in your own strength. That's right. Like you're going to go stumbling into the next season, feeling like you've made a horrible mistake. Mm -hmm. And you know how this is going to end is you and I are going to have breakfast on the beach together. Yeah. And, and the restoration isn't even corrective. Like it's correct. I mean, we could go a whole whole other podcast, but just the rest, the beauty of the Lord of, of like, he knows we can't do anything Mm -hmm. without him. Yeah, and so it's just this constant breaking down until you come to the place of there's no way into the next season unless it's through surrender. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to remember I, where I left off with the story, but I was, uh, oh yeah. So we go back to church. The church ex- like explodes in that yeah. season, not by our own strength. Hundred percent. We didn't live. We couldn't live stream at any sense of cool level uh during covid like all the churches were we didn't have the equipment we didn't have the money i never had looked and talked to a camera a day in my life (laughs) i never even thought about a camera till covid you know and so um and so things really started we were at a building in the colony texas we moved to louisville Mm -hmm. and things really started like our culture started getting put in place with resonation and we're like wow like the sur- the gatherings we had yeah. in that season were yeah. were oh, beautiful yeah. and constant breaking of finances of oh, like sure. believing and and i mean it was a whole nother level of like having to have faith and building a staff and and then you build the staff and then there's a week where people don't give and you're like i don't even know if we're gonna make payroll yeah. and and i'm i'm like i don't know if i'm ready to do any of this stuff you yeah. know so uh from so about a, a year um no so six months goes by we get around this september mark and todd launched uh an hour away lifestyle christianity church it was a really i didn't realize how much stuff i was holding in my heart against him Mm. from how the exit went where i thought i was going to be really blessed and i wasn't um completely on on my own expectations so but i was so determined not to get caught in like the the competition that i stood up in front of our church in dallas and said if you feel called to go help todd launch because our communities were so connected uh you know if you feel called to help todd go launch we want to send you and we sent a lot of families to go help him launch and then we brought our whole church to their sunday night launch yeah. And I remember walking in and like, there's 2000 people in there. Chandler Moore is leading worship. And I'm thinking all of those, the insecurities start rising up in my heart. And I start realizing the Lord has a lot to deal with within me. And, um, and so I'm thinking I'm probably going to lose my whole church. Should I have merged? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And the Lord is testing me the whole time. Mm-hmm. And honestly showing me all these unhealthy things in my heart. So, uh, so we get back to doing what we're doing and he launches his church and a, a good amount of time goes and resonation keeps growing and mm-hmm. and kind of we were moving from building a building because we yeah. didn't have a building um and lifestyle is growing and and everything seems fine but there's a lot of undealt with i think hurt in my heart and uh and so uh when was it april next the following april rolls around the um there always seemed to be significant things. I was going to say, it, April. I think it started, I mean, 
I feel towards like, the end of the year because I feel like by April is when because it was exactly that's a year right. from April. So some time had gone by, yeah. And we started hearing all these rumblings, like not long after Todd launched the church, that there was some shaking going on within the ministry, and not due to Todd's sin, Todd didn't sin or do anything like that. I just, I think it was just, I don't know, how would you describe it? People. People. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to put it. So there was just, uh, there was, people were leaving the staff and it, it was just. People with unmet expectations. Yeah. And, um, and so lifestyle took a took a pretty big hit. Todd was learning that he uh, is an evangelist mm-hmm. and not a pastor. Yeah, and he is openly admitted that he was that. being broken just like everyone. And else he was is. being broken like we were. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I remember when a lot of the shaking started happening and people started leaving, it started impacting resignation. Yeah, and I I remember hearing things said like, "Well, guilty by association because he's connected with." taught mm-hmm. and now keep in mind it really was like just people having expectations and staff leaving but there's always bigger stories that oh, are yeah. drawn yeah and uh and i'm like guilt what is Todd like what is guilty you yeah know? right and so all that to be said a, a ton of staff left yeah and i a part of a lot of the the, the really the details of the story are not ours to share because that's it, right it's the lifestyle side but i can only share like kind of what our experience was and so I remember I was like uh, bothered with him because what was happening in lifestyle was now affecting resignation yeah, you could, in a super negative an way. Yeah. And I remember one time showing up to church and like half of the people were gone and everybody was telling me, yeah, there's a lot going on in lifestyle. And I'm like, kind of like, what does that have to do with us? Yeah. And there was just a lot of unhealthy stuff in my heart. So we were on Saturday night, they were on Sunday. So Saturday night, we had that service, half the people show up. This is all kind of like something happened specifically in that weekend mm-hmm. that we were unaware of yeah. where like staff left. Yeah. And then fast forward the next day, I'm like depressed. I want to get away from lifestyle. I want to get away from Todd. And I'm having questions. I mean, and I'm being very vulnerable. I don't think I've ever said this stuff. But I, I tell Emily, I'm like, what if we move to Florida Cause I loved Jesus image, mm-hmm. you know, my cousin, Michael and Jessica, I love what they're doing. I'm like, let's just go sit in that room. Yeah. Like, let's just go there. Cause everything's messy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, I feel like I'm caught up in it and I, and you know, I'm a Vic, I'm playing the victim. I'm like, yeah. I'm caught up in it and I don't deserve to be caught up in it. <laughs> and so I, I, I turn on, I, that was a weird Sunday. I didn't eat. My wife was really concerned about me and I straight up, I've never dealt with depression, but I was depressed. Mm-hmm. And Sunday night, I turn on Todd's live stream and I'm, I'm like mad at him and I don't even know why I'm mad at him. Like mm-hmm. as if like all the problems I'm dealing with, I got to point at somebody, Yeah, you know? Yeah, there it is. So, um, and he has nothing to do with it. You know? like, <laughs> so I really love you, Todd. Um, and just disclaimer, as you listed all this, Todd and I are incredible relationship <laughs> right now. So uh, he, th- we wouldn't, I would say all this with him sitting here and he would agree with all of it. But uh, that, so Sunday night I turned the live stream on and a lot of like the production, the worship team left and, and I remember seeing him on stage and it was dark mm. and there was one guy on a guitar behind him leading worship and my heart, like I missed my friend for the first time in a year. And I think it, at this point it had been a whole year since I had worked for him mm-hmm. and I just, my heart went out to him 
and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly. Many want to see the demise of my son, but is there anyone who wants reconciliation? And Emily hits me and goes, you know, you have to repent my wife. And I'm like, I have to repent. I'm like, I had a list of why he needed to repent to me, yeah. you know? And so, um, I end up texting him and, and just like saying, I'm here if you need anything. And he responds and the next day we end up getting together for like five hours and I repent and he repents and we just have this like repent fest for five hours. <laughs> and, and it was at Gary's house actually. Oh really? Yeah. And Gary, Gary was Todd's vice, the vice president of the ministry at the time. And so he was like, listen, we need a lot of help. Like if there's anything you guys can do, let us know. So we were on Saturday night as risen nation they're on sunday so i go back to our team and i had this idea and the idea was what if for six months we go in and we help them we give them a worship team a production team a youth pastor we just we help them get on their feet and then after six months we go back because god said i couldn't merge a year ago right. so i still am hanging on that word because yeah. he hasn't said anything different so we'll help them for six months and then we'll leave um and uh, i just feel like we're supposed to help them and it works out because we're on saturday nights all the elders, everybody felt really good about that. We were like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's go in and help them get on their feet and then we'll leave. And just kind of like under the radar, I remember specifically saying, I don't think I should preach. I don't want it to be confusing. We're just going to help them. Yeah. And uh, and I said, just, and I asked Lifestyle, just take care of the people serving and, and helping. And so they were like, yeah, for sure. And so then some leaders got involved, different leaders within the body of Christ that had come in to kind of help bring some stability to the staff and the mm -hmm. team. And, um, and one of them said to Todd and I, like, you guys are going to, are going to hurt people worse because you're going to bring all the family back together. And then you're going to split them apart again after six months. It'll be yeah. worse than it was before you either got a date or you got to get married. And I was like, uh, what the heck, man? You yeah. know? So yeah. I went and prayed and all of our elders prayed our apostolic team. And, um, and I went and sought counsel from a lot of leaders and 90% of them, 95% of them said this is the worst idea in the world. <coughs> and I would be like, what? Like helping yeah. them? Right. And the, the the common thread with a lot of the leaders was, well, you're going to be in Todd's shadow forever. Yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, why would you go in and help them and, and lose everything you've paid a price for? Mm -hmm. And I really started realizing like, man, this is a really bad perspective we have today in ministry. Yeah. You know, like people literally think there's a, like, like ministry is your trophy that yeah. you're going to show the world at the my end of your ministry. life, like mine and mine and my, 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 yeah. and, and I just couldn't find in the Bible, like where I shouldn't help him. And I had heard the Lord tell me many want the demise of him, but nobody wants reconciliation. And I needed reconciliation, in my relationship with him. Yeah. And so I, I lost a lot of friendship, a lot of good relationships at that time. Uh, where people that were close that were helping us with resignation would come in and minister, cut all ties to us after we went and helped Todd. That was really hard to navigate yeah. in my heart. Yeah. Um, but all part of the school. Yeah. You know, for sure. And so, uh, so I hear the Lord speak to me after a lot of waiting on him. And I hear him say, it wasn't time then, but it's time now. And he said more, but that was, that was like the go. There was a confirmation amongst all of our elders, our team, our leaders, our apostolic team. Like I didn't just make that decision on my own. And we went in and we merged uh, officially in August mm -hmm. of 2021. 
Yeah. And it was insane um, because it it was it was massively it was a massive change for me and um and once again i had all these expectations of what it was going to be like and it was nothing of what i thought you know but todd and jackie had called me and said we want it to be resignation you know todd is not a pastor we want you to be the senior pastor and uh and so basically resignation kind of moved into their building and we took on the church in a sense and they probably had like 400 three to 400 people we had about 150 and it quickly blew up to like a thousand people and it was the hardest season of my life Mm -hmm. and i thought it was going to be like the easiest like i thought like yeah you know oh this is like going to be incredible um a lot of our maybe problems are going to go away oh they got way bigger yeah you know and so um we went in and things got really difficult and a lot of the things it was all part of the test for me because a lot of the things I said I never want to be, I quickly became. Mm-hmm. And the did things, you know in that moment that that you you might be changing or you might becoming something that you didn't want to be, or did that oh, take some reflection? It took some reflection. Okay. And in the moment, you don't realize because it, it feels good. Ah, it feels good to have a thousand people in a room. And ah, did, there you go. And, and the security of of I was always bothered by all the security I saw in the ministry growing up and now I got it. Yeah. And interesting. And the Lord is looking at my heart the whole yeah. time. And so, and this is why, again, we need spiritual fathers, which is so cool because you would have never signed up for it, but you found yourself in it. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? It, I don't want to say he tricked you into it, but <laughs> he wanted to see if, if I liked it. Yeah. And, and in the beginning I was kind of like, I like this, you know, to be honest. And so I, I went from this little family church to Todd and I merge, and now we've got this pretty mega church mm-hmm. in statistics today. That's what it felt like, yeah. And it's interesting because all the experiences, the anointing and worship, it all left. Mm. And that's nothing against Todd or lifestyle. No. That's completely on me as a pastor and a leader. Wow. And I remember this connection I had with the worship team, our worship leader, Kaylee this connection I had with our little team. I mean, you remember the days in the group, oh, bro, what yeah. we would experience yeah. when we had nothing. Yeah. We, we would, the, we were so small. We were able to bring all the instruments on the floor yeah. and just put the chairs around it all. And, and we would be weeping on the, on that carpet that smelled like barf, you know, yeah. like it, not, it didn't matter to us. Yeah. And every week, I mean, you say it like church felt like, um, like what's, well, you, you tell them. Yeah. I, I mean, essentially there was a season where, you would be driving to church thinking, I wonder what's going to happen today. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and I hadn't, ex- I mean, it was always like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then what happened when you got to lifestyle? It's funny because it just wasn't, I don't know how to say it without it sounding like I'm coming against someone. Cause I'm not, but it just wasn't us. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like reason. Like this is, but here's the key. Here's the key is that it wasn't, that wasn't on lifestyle. No, because it was on us. We didn't church, bring it in because Todd was like, this is resignation. Yeah. And you're the senior pastor. So rather than bringing our culture in, I feel like yeah. we didn't bring our culture in. Right. We just, I feel like collapsed under the, honestly, what it was is the weight of all the people. Yeah. I think we just showed up and expected it to be the culture. Yeah. And we didn't, we didn't know how to steward someone else's culture with our own. We didn't, we were still forming. And neither Todd nor I knew how to do this right, kind of together. Yeah. We were just like, 
God's literally God said this and it's so difficult, you know? And so I, um, so we get into it and, and honestly for a while, the hardest, the hardest struggle was like, I'm not sensing the presence of the Lord. Like I used to, Mm -hmm. there's more people than I can number. Mm Mm-hmm production is better it all oh my looks gosh. better it, it was, yeah, it was like, like sometimes you look around like till today when so i go sick. to that building i am like todd you did well <laughs> in regards to the sound system in here i think it's one of the best sound systems in in yeah. dfw yeah, pretty sick. and so it was amazing because part of the school that i needed was the lord is like it's not about how nice this sound system is yeah it's about your heart when you're singing yeah and on, and and i became the I don't know. I just, I feel like I lost who I was in that season for a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I, I got a lot more careful when I was preaching. Mm. Um, It's interesting. You would think you'd be less concerned about people leaving when it's big. Yeah. uh, Because you, there's more room for people to leave and not feel small. Yeah. Uh, It's amazing how opposite it was for me. Wow. I was more concerned about it's like when people get a lot of money, all of a sudden they become greedy. Yeah. That was it. It was like the more people that came, the more I cared about what they thought. Wow. And, and that was the biggest breaking season of my life. Um, and so I started to not like who I was and it got to a point where I didn't want to show up to church on Sunday. And you remember that. Yeah, for sure. I I didn't. And again, this is nothing against taught or lifestyle Christianity. This is me. Like I just did not want to go. And, um, and a big part of it was like, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. And so, um, so there was one specific service and this is when everything started changing. I got up, it was packed. I remember this service, had, there was a thousand plus people. And it was like one of the first times my dad came mm. and he sat in the staff <laughs> section and I, and I preach and it's like a powerful service and and I remember thinking, my dad's got to be so proud of me. Like he's got to be so into what's happening right now. And um, and so we have service, and I can't wait to see my parents after because I feel like my dad's gonna be like, wow, look at like what God's done. I he, he they lived in Frisco. We were like an hour away, and in in, uh, in gosh North Lake. And so he he ended up. They were at our house that Sunday. I get back to my house and he's already there. He had like him and my mom had brought food over right when I walk inside, he said, let's go on a drive. And I could, I mean, you know, like as a son, (laughs) you know, like when you're in trouble, Uh you know? And so he goes, let's go on a drive. And I knew something was up. So I get in the car and I'm just like, quiet, we're driving. I don't know where we're going. We're just driving. And uh, when you're getting in a car with your parent and there's no destination. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a huge problem. So (laughs) I felt like a little kid, you know, I'm like this big senior pastor. I get around my dad. I am the little kid. And, um, and he starts telling me this, this story about, uh, (laughs) about he went to preach for a pastor one time and he walked into the pastor took him to this library and or this bookstore and he walks in and at the top of the bookstore it's all these like you know kind of newer books in christianity and my dad said it was like a bunch of self-help like just a lot of like be the better you self 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 and he, he said he opened like this trap door to a basement we walk into the basement and there's all these old books like the best of leah schlinks the mm. you know all the stuff that i like cherish and yeah. save like you know the like 
you know, the life of Catherine Kuhlman and, you know, Corey Ten Boom and Brother Lawrence. Yeah. Just, I mean, the list goes on, A.W. Tozer. And the pastor said, isn't it amazing that they got all that stuff in lights, but all this is hidden. Yeah. And, um, and my dad said, you know, son, I remember the days when I would watch men of God sit inside of tents and people would come in with no limbs and leave with them. And he said, I remember the days when, when wheelchairs would be piled on stages just to show all the people, what God did because nobody was sitting in them. And he looks at me and he goes, I didn't raise a son to have a big church with no power in it. Gosh. And he goes, you're, this is forbidden what he said. Everything is forbidden what he said, but this is how he ended it. He said, your skinny jeans and fog machines aren't cutting it. Yeah. And I thought, I didn't want to be like that rhymed in the moment. But yeah, you're like, that was sick. <laughs> hey, I want you to know rhyme. I was actually scared. I was on the verge. Of, I actually was fighting tears because it's what I needed. Because you knew it in your heart. And I knew it in my heart. I knew in my heart that I had got sucked into the very thing I said I vowed I would never do. Yeah. And the stuff that I saw going back to 2012, 13, yeah. the, in the big ministry lights that I was like, that's just not me. Yeah. And now I'm in it. Yeah. And God's like, you still saying it? Yeah. And so my dad rebukes the crud out of me. And I told him I'd get up and I'd repent next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Monday morning, Corey Russell calls me. who's <laughs> also a part of our apostolic team, like a father. And uh, this is the very next day. And he says, what are you doing right now? I said, uh, I'm praying. It was literally the morning I got my Bible <laughs> open. I got my like prayer blanket on. I'm, I'm with God with my coffee. <laughs> And uh, he said, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm, I'm praying. And his words to me were, God wants to manifest himself to you through me today. <laughs> and I said, I don't know what that means. Only he gets to say But that. it sounds scary. <laughs> he said, meet me at George Coffee in 15 minutes, which was just a coffee shop by us. And I went to Emily. I said, I think I'm in trouble again. It feels like it. <laughs> and I got in the Round car. Two. I went to George Coffee. I sit down with, with Corey and he said, you ever seen Rocky three? And I was like, I knew exactly where he was going. He said, remember when Rocky had a statue built for himself? And I'm like, man, like I'm feeling it, you yeah. know? And he said, uh, he said, Rocky had a statue built for himself. And Mr. T comes out of the crowd and he's like, Rocky, let give me one more chance, one more fight. And Rocky's like, let's go. But the trainer walks away, mm-hmm. refusing to, to train Rocky. And, uh, he finally gets to the trainer and he's like, why won't you train me? I'll kill him. And he said, he'll kill you rock. And he's, yeah. and he's like, when I met you, you had, you know, an iron jaw, you had fire in your eyes. He said, the worst thing that could happen to a fighter's happened to you. Um, you become domesticated. Yeah. And Corey looks at me and he said, I'm afraid you become domesticated. And he starts saying, man, I met you had fire in your eyes. And, and honestly, like even the way I ministered kind of changed in that mm-hmm. season. Um, and he, in his Corey way, loving way, base rebukes me. And I remember him telling me like, you know, you get a little security, you get a little this, you get a little bit of that. God starts testing you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I said, well, I already told my dad I would repent. And so I have an open vision same week where I'm walking this giant 600 pound man down the stairs Mm -hmm. at Dana point beach, which is Dana point is where we started resonation. And I'm giving this, this giant man, commands of the lord and he's going i don't want to i don't want to and he's like lazy he's like tripping over himself walking down the stairs and i hear the lord say that's you in your church so this is the third rebuke in one week yeah from two fathers in my life and now the father mm-hmm. and 
And I felt like the Lord said, I'm bringing you back to the waters of the beginning, wow. which was Dana Point. And so I get up in front of our church. I don't know if you remember this. Service. I remember. Yeah. And I get up in front of our church the it following powerful, Sunday. Man. And it was the biggest turnout. It was bigger than the last week we had ever had because of power and love had just happened. Yeah. And I got up and I basically told everybody I left first love mm. and how I became more interested. I remember saying this. I became more interested in what they think than what God thinks. Yeah. And I said, and it won't ever happen again. And I'm repenting. Yeah. And if you want to repent with me for leaving first love, stand, stand up. up. And the whole church stood up. And that day forward, everything started changing. Yeah. And it was a shaking. It, it everything started I think shaking. Internally, we were like, all right, we're getting back to who we are. Yeah. And we got really strict about who we yeah. are. Yeah. And and that and again, people immediately are gonna go, Oh my god, he's talking against Todd. But yeah. actually yeah. a bunch most of the meetings weren't even with Todd. Yeah. So we st- and again, the, the, we're not sharing this to like let people in on the details. No, this is really to 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 get you to see that, especially leaders that want to give up because it was in this season. Mm-hmm. I asked. I remember walking to my dad's office and and I had was convinced that the Lord told me I can can step down, and I went in my dad's office. I said, but I think I'm done. I don't. What I think people were seeing on the outside is like, look at William's big, yeah. big church. You know, like look at this storyline. Yeah, and I'm dying inside. Yeah. You know, and I remember telling my dad I want to give up, and he didn't even look up from his notes. He said, "That's the devil. Get out of my office." <laughs> and I just walked out. But I, we we would have meetings with leaders that are no longer at Lifestyle um, anymore. And Todd wasn't in this room where like there was like big theological differences sure. that were taking place behind the scenes that nobody knows about. Yeah. <coughs> And those meetings were so hard the night I would wake up the next day and you remember this. I would, my face would be all puffy. I would have these rings around my eyes and I was having like, like stress, like attacks. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there was one meeting where I just like, I couldn't, I think I walked out of the room Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that started happening frequently. And it really wasn't with Todd because when all this was happening was, Todd had gotten congestive heart failure November yeah. of 2021. This is not long after we officially merged. Yeah. He gets congestive heart failure and then nobody sees him for nobody like months him, because yeah. he's in the hospital. Yeah, and that didn't do the whole situation any famers any favors because there were so many narratives, false narratives out there. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. people talk and it, and it was it was really pretty sad to to hear all the things that were said and the ideas people had and the narratives that were out there. Yeah. And even and amongst not, not just people in the congregation, I'm talking about other leaders. Oh, in I, other was, I was getting calls from people. Hey, I I'm hearing that you took Todd's church, like leaders that I loved and revered and honored. Yeah. And that was super hard to navigate. Yeah, I know that was a lot of what was weighing on you at those times too. It wasn't just in it the was building. What, it was outside the building. It, it was, was everywhere. What the public pers- like, perspective was and what was my reputation was getting trashed but the the underlying tone that that i hope that all of you can hear out there is the lord's jealousy for what your eyes are on oh yeah you know what i mean like and, he, and wondering what do you fear yeah you fear man yeah and i realized in that season i had a huge fear of man yeah and you would have never if i were to ask you prior to that 
you'd have been like, I don't fear. I don't fear nobody. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and unfortunately, yeah. like, I mean, if you're anything like me, he has to allow me to get myself in a situation or maybe yeah. he puts me in that situation where it gets revealed to me. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I honestly didn't know I had this issue. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's his mercy and his jealousy and his love. He's yeah. not like spanking you with these circumstances. No. no. He's like, the hey. The Lord put me on a very public stage and then said, I'm going to work on you. Yeah. And I'm like, and and I think back to all of the times from Benny to the first time working with Todd or for Todd, man, all of it was onto the wineskin. And I'd love to, since you put it that way, I would love to add this for anyone out there who thinks they want a public stage. Would you rather him work on you in your living room or in your closet or on the stage? Yeah. Yeah. Take the closet. Yeah. I was going to say like it. Yeah. You do not want no. to have to be developed in front of everyone. No. And the, and it felt like that. To, yeah. To be honest. uh, honestly, that's, you know, that was my perspective is unfortunately you, you know, got the task of being developed while so many are watching. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it, I don't want to say it's not fair. I think it. I think it, obviously the Lord's hand was on it. So it's going to be, it'll turn out as he wanted it to. Um, but just in the secular world, we see that with young people who get famous quickly or Instagram, you know, and the world watches you develop and then you just wreck it all. Yeah. You know, hundred percent. And so we ended up, um, we ended up like, I went to the hospital to see Todd and Todd and I were doing, we're doing good. A lot of the issues was, was within leadership that's no longer there. And, uh, Todd had said, you know, I really feel from the Lord that like, in a way we need to have a Paul and Barnabas moment. Um, and I, and he said, you know, I, he had received, I think some really sound counsel from some wise leaders and, and he's like, you know, I really need to get lifestyle back to what the purpose was. Sure. And he has said all of this publicly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's the mission base. I've never in my life seen an evangelist like Todd yeah. ever in my life, but yeah. Todd's not a pastor and he's aware of that, yeah. you know? And so he was like, I'm realizing, I think I started a church just to help you and Emily launch. And I remember that really having a major impact on me. Like, cause the reality is, is through the junk and through the misunderstanding and miscommunication and different theologies that through all of that, the Lord used it for that. For sure. When you look at the trajectory of, of even the community in Dallas now, there's, <coughs> it would have taken some other sort of miracle by the hand of God to get yeah, to there sure. without that season. For sure. And I honor, massively honor Todd for even coming to that conclusion. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, man, that takes a lot of humility on a leader's part. And so he was like, I want things to go back to the way that they were. And you guys can find a facility that that suits you and and even that people are like oh my god they're they're you know they're going to a different building now because something's wrong but even that like there was a huge practicality of like we we did prayer rooms yeah lcu is a is a daily school and all these yeah. things and and so and we had no idea that the lord was going to launch soh no so if you look at the timeline it in a prayer room was outbreak in right. June. Yeah, there's so many things day. when you look at the timeline that you're like, man, like if the circumstances didn't unfold the way they did, where it seemed like we vacated quickly, then what we what the Lord wanted to do wouldn't have been possible. Absolutely. And I told Todd, I said, I'm down to go back to the way things were, but I will not be a part of a church split. And I remember going, church split, this is your church. 
and um and so we found a building down yeah. in keller yeah just down the road and and uh we got the building we had announced we're going to the building and then the city was like nope yeah. there's all this coding we had to get it up to code and um make all these changes on the building but through that whole thing you know todd wasn't able to come back and share like what happened to his heart and what god had spoken to him about things going back to the way that they were so during that whole season there were so many false narratives that came out yeah and the biggest one i had to overcome was this idea that i took todd's church yeah and then when we did exit there was an idea that we just left with like millions of dollars and there was yeah. all of this stuff was floating around yeah and i'll never forget we had twenty five hundred dollars in our bank account <laughs> in the church and that's what we went back to yeah um and it was only the hand of god that we were able to pay rent that yeah, first month for sure and keep everybody on staff it's a mirror i mean looking it i don't even i still don't understand how it worked yeah sometimes when i look back i'm like i still i'm missing a few bucks here how do we get from here to here it doesn't make any you know sense I mean? it's like the lord is yeah. the lord literally carried us and uh and so we we exited and it wasn't a church split we basically just took resignation and went to a new building and yeah. kind of gave uh, you know in a sense that life that the building the lifestyle building was to be for the school the mission of lifestyle power and loves yeah and uh and a lot of people were like they're splitting and it was just it, yeah, it was all, all the false narratives and todd and i actually were doing really well we were like man this is the hand of the lord and him really as like a father being like this was about helping you and emily launch like that was profound for us so we we for two weeks went to king's university and then after king's university we finally got in the building and the city let us to our first service on easter mm -hmm. and i'll never forget that first service at king's i'm like i i'm on my way there i tell emily if nobody comes mm -hmm. like the lord has done it and i saw the biggest growth in my life in that season yeah the hardest season of my life created like the it it i saw it on me i felt it when i was ministering oh yeah we all did and it was it was like there was a potency that couldn't come unless i went through that it's the crushing that That's crushing the, yeah and so i thought 50 people were going to follow us because yeah. it was so it felt so messy yeah. you know and i walk into king's university it's a pretty big room and it's like i remember it packed wall to wall and the holy spirit speaks to me and says they're not here for you they're here for me and don't forget like yeah. this was you said that this was going to be a house for, for me. me and so we hit the ground running yeah and and the church just hit this i don't even know how to explain it we got it in the new building shortly after mm -hmm. an outpouring takes place where we're having prayer rooms every day and 80 90 percent of our church showing up at six in the morning for them and That's then we're awesome. having services at night and this goes yeah. on from june to september and it was almost like god's like kiss i'm like you you, you overcame yeah oh wow lifestyle is now in the best season they've ever been in and i feel like there was such a work that god was doing deep in todd and i for sure that we had to go through to get to where we are today and i do want to reiterate and bring extreme clarity on uh like how much we honor and love todd and and yeah, benny of course and my this podcast was not to highlight leaders failures this podcast was to highlight our own hard kind of brokenness that we've had to experience our sure. own pride in a sense yeah that the lord has like continually had to break down to introduce me into new levels of who he is mm -hmm. and the lord brought specific people 
into my For life, sure. specific leaders that he knew would help expose and bring out some of these things. And so Todd and I are in many ways closer than we've ever been, maybe not in proximity. We live in two different states now um, or at a ministry level, but at this genuine real level, you know, loving each other without the string being attached of working, you know, for one another or even doing a bunch of ministry together. Yeah, that's good. Um, and it's, it's been so good and so refreshing. And, um, I, like I said, I mean, I love what I'm seeing God do with lifestyle stronger than they've ever been. And with resonation and, and the, the goal of the story is to tell you like the Lord can do anything. Yeah. I mean, he can even take mistakes. Absolutely. We've made a lot of them. Oh, yeah. We made a lot of them in the in the lifestyle season. Um, but he's such a master in mm-hmm. how he builds. It's like he takes our mistakes and he woves it together and makes this beautiful picture that looking back, you think, man, if I didn't make that mistake, yeah, I don't think I ever would have gotten to where I am today. Like, that's so crazy to even consider and think yeah. about. So, um, you know, our, our story and I think what I just wanted to encourage you in with this journey was that it's going to look messy along the way. And yeah. you're going to think, Lord, am I missing it? You're going to constantly question if you're hearing God correctly and you're going to want to give up a lot. Yeah. But I'll, I'll finish with this one thing Jeremiah Johnson told, told us who we've gotten close to. It wasn't long after we got into the new building and really like we had to the Lord really had to even work on my heart going out of, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. as long as like you and Todd are leaving on a good note and going into these new seasons, I mean, Paul and Barnabas had to do this in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was once we got into the new facility, I remember uh, Jeremiah and Corey were holding an event at our building and I had had a phone call with a leader that I really honored and loved, who was one of the ones that kind of, uh, I I just kind of lost some relationship with, going by going in and helping Todd, and and um, it was interesting because this leader on the phone, I had invited him to come and minister, and he basically was like, "Listen, everything surrounding you and Todd is too messy, and I don't think I could be a part of it," and and it kind of you know that stung in the moment when I heard it, and so. I just was like, okay, that's fine. And that was a part of like the Lord. I, I needed to like go through that. Like the Lord wanted me mm-hmm. to like overcome that area of my life where I needed the approval of man. Yeah. And so, so true. Um, that night, Jeremiah, same night, Jeremiah's preaching at our building and I'm sitting there and he gives me, and he says, I have this word for you. And he gives me this word. And the first part was pretty personal, but at the end of it, he said, I see the Lord like flinging paint, like on a, on a canvas and it and it's it's the ones that you would say like what is that what even is that Mm -hmm. but yet they sell for most yeah and he said just remember william what man calls messy god calls a faithful and obedient son Wow. and i hit the deck i mean i was that was like a huge culmination for me of years of like lord i feel like i'm stumbling in obedience i don't even know what direction i'm going i've got these people following these poor people (laughs) have been taken on a roller coaster (laughs) and it does feel messy yeah and to ever think for a second like wait maybe maybe that is what obedience feels like yeah maybe that could be what faithfulness feels like yeah to have someone that i honor like jeremiah say that really um put things into perspective for me if it's not gonna feel good all the time on the journey yeah 
but it's not really about feeling good. It's about consistently yeah. learning how to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. And there is a cost to following the Lord. And I feel like in many ways we've lost that in our generation. Yeah. Like we're so against works and like, we don't want to ever slip into works, but, but don't forget obedience is costly yeah, and it's sure. not easy. And, uh, and when I look back at my life, you know, 2007, it was either 2007 or 2008. I go to Israel for the first time with my family. I was a sophomore in high school and uh, my uncle Benny's holding a, a, like a baptism service to the Jordan river. And I get baptized for the first time in the Jordan. And, wow. and I remember the first day I started working for Todd, he starts describing my dad to me. And he's like, were you guys in Israel in 2007? And I'm like, yeah, it was the first time I ever actually was there. He said, I stood right next to your dad and pulled people out of the water when they were being baptized. And I started putting it together and I remembered him. He had these little porcupine dreads. Wow. And I'll never forget getting into the water. And my uncle was baptizing people, my uncle Benny, and him and my dad switched places so that my dad could baptize his kids. Hmm. And I remember my uncle Benny helping me into the water. My dad baptized me and Todd pulled me out. Wow. And this is sophomore year of high school before I ever embark on this journey. Yeah. And to think how God's like in these details of like, sure. these are going to be the three men that I will use in your spiritual formation. And so I can't reiterate enough how much I honor all of them and how much yeah, they've all impacted on. my life and really shaped in a sense who I am today. Uh, but the journey is just, I mean, it's just getting started. We, yeah, we, just, we just moved to Tennessee mm -hmm. in many ways. I'm, I'm here in Tennessee starting all over. We planted risen nation here we have risen nation in dallas and now in chicago and and in many ways i'm going like you know in the launch of habitation ministries now yeah i still find myself being like lord Absolutely. did i hear you correctly mm -hmm. um but so much has happened and and we just wanted to encourage you guys this journey isn't going to be easy yeah but the reward of him like he is the best part of the story yeah far outweighs any cost that you will ever pay so um, that's the story in a nutshell. And I pray that it blessed you. You have any final words? Yeah, for that? man. I just hope that, that as you listen to his words, as you listen to his story and maybe even a part of mine that, uh, you recognize that all those things that you may be going through circumstances in your life, even, even when they feel like they might be wrong in the moment later, you'll see how right they are for your formation. Yeah, you know, if we are predestined to be conformed to his image, I mean, that is your predestination. How else are you going to walk through life and end up in his image without some, if he learned through the things he suffered, then that means by definition, he didn't know them prior to the suffering. Wow. We're talking about God in the flesh. Gosh, that's so good. So what makes you think you're going to be any different, you know? And, and it's just, if you can, if you can grab onto something that you've heard, if you can hear it and apply it to your own life, man, I just encourage you to do so because I, I, I know I didn't have a lot of information like that as I walked through it. I felt it, and it was yeah. out there. I just wasn't paying attention. Um, and I'm sure there's probably people trying to tell me, but you know, I just want to encourage you to keep going, to overcome, to, um, really lean on the Lord. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of book it of revelation says, to him who overcomes and Absolutely. then there's a promise over yep. and over again yep. i will make you a pillar in the house of god and i would say if in order for you to have the strength to bear the weight of being a pillar yeah, yeah. the lord let god build you mm -hmm. and just remember the greatest work god's always doing is your heart 
in every season. And as long as you stay there, you're going to be just fine. But Mm -hmm. if you hear anything from this three hour (laughs) podcast, which you know what, we're not making it two parts. We're going to just let it roll. Um, Thanks for sticking with us this whole time. But if you hear anything just here, just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to make it. God is with you and he is a better story uh, and author than you could. He's a better author than you could ever be. So let him write it. Absolutely. We love you guys. Thanks for being part Tanner. See you guys. Thank you again for listening to the Habitation Podcast. I pray that your life was impacted and most of all, your heart drawn closer to the Lord. Stay up to date with us by going to habitationministries.org where you can follow us, the events we have going on around the world. You can become a financial partner. And most of all, you can partner with us through prayer. And lastly, if you're interested in joining our membership school, please visit schoolofhabitation.org to find out more. For only $50 a month, you can join our worldwide online community and receive live weekly teaching from myself, guest speakers, and other SOH pastors. We will also have online discipleship, Bible reading, and prayer rooms. Be sure to check it out today.